It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Secure your tinfoil hats, buckle down tight, and hold on loosely as we soar over the rocky tops of the La Platas on a rocky mountain high. Get sucked into the vortex of the Four Corners and settle down snugly at Mall Marker 420 in colorful Colorado. It is Saturday, March 21st, Sunday, March 22nd, for those of you across the pond and beyond. Welcome to Late Night in the Rockies on We Are Paradox Media. 
I'm so glad you guys can join us this evening. I'm your host, Tessa TNT, and I hope you had an awesome week and a rocking weekend. I hope you guys are finding all your supplies and TP and water and all the essentials you need and um, helping out those around you that aren't able to get out and get those things for themselves. Um, but you're on one of our media media outlets, which is Spreaker. Dot com, Periscope, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Tumblr, YouTube, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Deezer, as well as Podcast Addict. So tonight I have a treat for all my guys and gals out there. Tonight we will be talking to and getting to know Miss Jean Broida. And Jean is a UFO investigator and author. Um, she's known as Lightworker. 111, which is a captivating and well-researched reporter with hundreds of published articles exposing conspiracies, covers ups, uh, excuse me, <laughs> and occult knowledge, as well as a popular presenter, public speaker, and on-air personality, and host of the newest paranormal podcast, Sweeping the Multiverse. Um, and it's known as Taboo Topics with Jean Broida. And Jean is a ufologist, a parapsychologist, a mystic, tarot reader, astrologer, conspiracy synthesist, investigative journalist. She has a master's of science, uh, computer information systems with degrees in education, psychology, and language. And there is no topic too controversial for Lightworker 111 to illuminate. Welcome, Jean, and thanks so much for being on the show this evening. It's awesome to have you. Tessa TNT, the pleasure is all mine. I'm honored and humbled to be here with you on this night of nights, March 21st. We've just had Equinox. Yeah, and I missed that last night. I didn't realize it till very early this morning, probably about five o'clock in the morning, right before I went to bed. And I was like, man, I missed it. But the planets aligned. And what was the other thing? The equinox and I don't know, the planet, but I'll tell you, planetary alignment that for, opens the vortex. For people, for people who aren't hip to what equinox or equinox is, it's equal day, equal night. It's an astronomy thing. And I'm totally into astronomy and astrology and all that. And stargazing, for that matter. The heavens have always intrigued me. So I happened to glance down at the weather report on my on my cell phone has an app, right? Two days before official equinox, I'm looking down and where I live at my latitude, equinox was actually two days before official equinox because I looked down and sunrise was 7.12 p.m. Sunrise was 7.12 a.m. and sunset was 7.12 p.m. And that's what equinox is, equal day, equal night. And I was like, wow, trip me out. And uh, you get variations in the time depending on the calendar year. We've had a leap year here, you know, a leap day in February because the calendar is all messed up. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to say so. I like the Mayans and um, – other people back in the day actually were more on to the calendar than yes. I think we are. Definitely. it's People have shown it mathematically. No, fewer, if any, corrections to, the, to their timekeeping me mechanisms. In fact, I used to give lectures on this. I was a member of a medieval society, the Society for Creative uh, Anachronism. 
and an anachronism is something out of its proper time. So this was recreation of the Middle Ages, and big, big deal happened with the calendar. Went from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar in the West, which is what we still have today. And it's off enough that we need a leap day every four years, and it's still off even with a leap day. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> yeah, how old are you in leap years? Right? <laughs> Instead of dog years or something. <laughs> yes, and then the blasted mute button. So I did the mute again, but uh, that's cool. Well, we're on that's to okay. it. That's okay. We're going to be mute, mute buddies. buddies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. What? I'm super excited to have you on the show, and um, I've got to catch your show a couple times. Uh, can you tell our listeners what your show is called again? Oh, absolutely. I'm thrilled to announce that I have bowed to higher forces and started a podcast, Taboo Topics, with Gene Broida. It's on Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern in the United States, on my uh, YouTube channel, Taboo Topics with Gene Broida, broadcast live and simulcast on the Global Enlightenment Radio Network, GERN. They're awesome and very helpful and famous, just totally rocking. I had over a thousand viewers on my like fifth show, which is, oh, wow. for me, I'm a humble person. I'm a humble person. I, I'm bootstrapping this and I do this for fun and education. Not It's not my career. And uh, thankfully, <laughs> I don't need that pressure. I do it because I am an entertainer I'm an edu and, an, and an educator. That's how I roll. That's how I've always rolled. You just can't take it out of me. And I'm in my element. So Taboo Topics with Jean Broida. My, my major field is ufology and specifically not looking for UFOs or do you believe in UFOs? No, no, no. I, I, it's not a matter of belief. I know my government knows and many other governments know that mm -hmm. UFOs exist. And so my question is, why the big deal? Why the big cover-up for 70 years? So that's one of my main threads. But I write daily articles for the dailyconspiracy.com, and they give me very free reign to range through politics, futurism, tech, medicine, survival – Many, many, many top politics, anything that's going on basically that has a conspiratorial overtone and what doesn't these days. Right. <laughs> I mean, even this terrible virus that we're dealing with right now, a lot of people oh. are like, oh, it's just a scam. It's just something going on, blah, blah, blah. No, it really does exist. And um, I think it's people are going overboard with the food and toilet paper hoarding. Like the food especially is important, but the toilet paper is insane. I actually wrote an article called No Toilet Paper, No Problem. <laughs> I and I traced the, the history of toilet paper. And although it's ancient, as w the concept of R swiping is ancient, and cleansing is very ancient down there in the nether regions. But modern toilet paper was dispensed more like facial tissue in a box that with a, a slit in it 
there where you could pop individual squares or several squares out. The roll was introduced rather later. I'm thinking late 1800s and caught on. But the very first one of the very first rolls of toilet paper, the guy was so proud of having invented it. Every sheet on this roll of toilet paper had his face printed on it. <laughs> now think about that for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he really and, uh, thought too much of, about it before he did it. <laughs> the corn cob was a perennial favorite. I knew this growing up in Midwestern America in the 1960s. So there I'm giving away my age, but I don't care. And at yeah. this point, I don't care. Right. <laughs> And there were still stories about people in the Great Depression, especially, which was uh, 1939, the stock market crash, followed by uh, – actually, I'm, I think it was 39. And then 10 years of misery, basically, economic misery. So uh, people in, at that time in the United States were much more agricultural, agrarian. They were family farmers. So out on the farm, you had an outhouse or two. And then you'd stock up with the used corn cobs, having cleaned them up a bit, but eat the corn, you got the cob, flexible, spongy. You can put it on a stick for easier access, and then you burn them to get rid of them. And I thought, you know, for farm people, that's, that's pretty ingenious, you know? I mean, really, recycling. Because then the nitrogens go back to the earth after you burn it. Put it yeah, on your garden. Also- uh, on the way to gaming the other night, it was actually last Friday, if we were actually talking about corn and cornhole and how they used to use corn for teepee. But this person was saying more than the cop was used, like even like the, the little soft hairs and the and the leaves and such. But yeah, definitely different factors there, probably depending on. I wouldn't doubt it a bit, because when you're in need, uh, what do they say? Uh, Waste not, want not. Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. But I think the leaves, the tufts would be nice and, and soft. They call those silks, right? Yeah. The corn silks. But the outer husk might be a little rough, a little mm-hmm. sandpapery. Uh, have you actually handled fresh corn and, and shucked it? Uh-huh. Yeah. So... You know, it's, it's born of need. People use the Sears Roebuck catalog, <laughs> which, which came out at least twice a year, spring and fall. And then they had they started sending out supplemental editions for things like Christmas or whatever, Equinox. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. And uh, people loved to have – they had a wish book. That was the big deal, the wish book. But when you got a new catalog – take the old one out to the outhouse and it gave you something to look at too while you're out there yeah. unlike a corn cob get really. your montgomery wars get your yeah. you know all these different seed catalogs pretty nice papers yes it's a good idea yes. i'm glad i saved those glad i hoard those flower magazines <laughs> well you could use wrapping paper in a pinch you know in modern times if you think about all the paper you have in your house really uh, computer paper, wrapping paper, maybe some butcher paper or that sort of thing, a kitchen paper of some kind. But the other thing to use that's time-honored is cloth. Think baby diapers, cloth baby diapers. And the advantage of cloth is that you can wash it in very hot water 
that's ideal. You want to wash in hot water with a little bleach. You don't need a lot of bleach. But follow the directions on the bottle for dilution. You want a certain minimum dilution. You don't need to go over that to kill the bacteria that cause the disease. So this sort of thing, cloth, and people panic. And people, what was in Men in Black, there was this quote, a person is smart, people are stupid, something along that line, right? So we're, we are herd animals. We run with the pack. And where the leader goes, we tend to follow. And, and I have to tell you, I went shopping today. This is not about UFOs or anything, but I am on a, a quirky diet for a month just to challenge myself to see if I can go without dairy. Okay, oh, and that wow. sort of thing, and gluten, yeah, which I've never done before in my life. It's a, no. it's a cleanse thing, and I don't usually talk about diet, but the reason I'm talking about it now is that because we're talking about bare shelves and panic, and is this a perceived shortage brought on by our government leadership or and the mass media reporting of what's going on? Okay. What's really going on that's causing these shelves to be emptied, okay? So I go to the local big store that I won't name, but it's the number one retail grocer in the world, <laughs> okay? And I have a list of things like coconut oil mm-hmm. and coconut water, which is a big deal on this cleanse, and mustard because I wanted to make – and honey because I wanted to make honey, mustard, curry – chicken which is to die for with peppers ah to die for and uh i was running low on mustard and honey so all of these things that were on my oddball list they were all there and also celery and apples that that was the fresh produce i needed and everything was there then i went just on a whim to go look at uh toilet paper or something in that section pick bear actually i was on my way to uh not laundry soap, but the dry, the bleach, the bleachy stuff. And the bleachy stuff I wanted was there. It just, it was the weirdest thing. The things on my list were there, but they were not things that I normally buy. And they were not things anybody else was buying. It was weird, but it was good. It was good, weird. That's the synchronicity I'm talking about with the one, one, ones in my moniker, light worker, one, one, one. So a light worker is a person who, who, whether they realize it or not, is a positive vibration in the world, a la Bob Marley, and spreads joy and sunshine more often than not. Can't always do that, understandably, but isn't a Debbie Downer or a dreary Dilbert, you know, and (laughs) uh, helps, as you said originally, helps uh, at the start of the show, helps other people when they can't help themselves. You know, a helper, a light worker does... uh, is bringing help by illuminating dark corners of perception. And that's everywhere, if you think about it. And then the one one ones are for synchronicity. I thought I was the only one who saw ones on digital displays mostly, but other people do too. And they see other repeating sets of numbers. And I looked up, what could this mean? Nobody really knows, but it seems to have to do with synchronicity, which is meaningful coincidences, yeah, synchronicities are amazing and can be quite mind-blowing at times. I figure I mean, it's no coincidence that you and I are here now, or that at least it's synchronistic. 
Well, yeah, right. like when I was contacting you, you were contacting me and... Um, yes. There's one. <laughs> there's one. And anyone listening, whether it's in real time or future download, I believe that's, in a sense, I'm a fatalist. It's meant to be. That's why I don't worry about coronavirus or anything else. And I'm old, so I it, it feels good not to have to worry because if anything wipes me out driving there's a huge risk from just getting in a car and driving around whether there's a a pandemic or not you know i've seen several horrific car accident stories not that i want to dwell in that space but that's just a fact that yeah coronavirus is killing people but lots of things kill people let's get a grip and get a perspective right yeah and i'm not saying that coronavirus isn't a problem or we shouldn't be concerned or we shouldn't be taking precautions that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that as you pointed out why toilet paper why are certain things see i can i can understand rubbing alcohol being sold out because it is a disinfectant but this is a respiratory illness, coughing and phlegm, I'm supposing, and trouble breathing, I would imagine, blockages in the respiratory system and, uh, and f- shutdown and failure. What that has to do with the other end of your system is not <laughs> clear to me. <laughs> psychologists say it, and researching for my article, psychologists said uh, it has to do with sphincter clenching really in a way that when we get on the the fight or flight hormone whatever that's called we get prepared to either flee or stand up to defend ourselves and our orifices tighten whatever and our jaws tend to clench asshole sucking seat we armor up our muscles tense yeah and our breathing rises and our blood pressure rises typically so and adrenaline is secreted quite often. There's metabolic changes, yeah? So this as a response to what's going on, the buying of toilet paper is thought to calm fears having to do with primal insecurities. And I thought, hmm, somebody got paid a lot of money for that theory. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm reading about it online, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's amazing. But maybe how many... they're right. Yeah. Well, uh, Robert said in the chat room, well, if this were a shit show, you know, they're, uh, what do you say? It yeah. had nothing to do with teepee. Uh, no. Okay. So because it's nothing to do with teepee, if it were a shit show, all the nasal sprays would be sold. <laughs> the opposites. Right. Well, I think the nasal sprays are sold too. And the, uh, Dayquil and Nyquil, those sorts of, uh, I should say, daytime and nighttime medicines, to keep it generic there, you know, those uh, at at my local store, there was a run on those, but it's probably because it's flu season, you know, Mm -hmm. but there was a rise in this purchasing and, you know, people are taking precautions to their credit, right? But also another thing to realize is that in the United States, and again, and we're not talking about UFOs and, and I want to, but just to encourage people. Paper products are mostly manufactured in the United States, and although some rest areas are being closed down that are inhibiting the flow of supply trucks, Mm -hmm. there are trains and planes and 
river barges along the Mississippi River, major, you know, larger waterways, there are ways for goods to go through, and goods are are essential services. An emergency, well, you know, medical and emergency equipment is the first priority. And I know someone whose friend is a FedEx pilot. This pilot says FedEx is now transporting. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mostly medical supplies. Very little commercial freight that isn't medical related. It's a priority to get it to where it needs to go. Yeah, I've been seeing and looking into different aspects of this from different views. And uh, recently there was a video with trains carrying all kinds of different uh, military vehicles, some Hummer, some different sorts of trucks for carrying uh, large amounts of people, so on and so forth. And, you know, this isn't the first time I've seen that done here in the United States, but I believe it's because the National Guard is going to different locations to try to, I don't know. They're saying to protect these uh, roadside places where people can come and get their their tests done because they don't want to do it indoors anymore. Um, I don't I don't think it means that the military's come in and take over and the whole martial law thing. But I mean, I guess it could eventually get to that. But I don't I don't see that happening. I think it's just sort of a backup. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't like to dwell a lot on martial law, but as a scientist, a computer scientist who understands numbers, I understand how viruses propagate, that is, multiply and grow in numbers. And this is what's concerning, not worrisome, but of a, is of a concern to people who study pathogens and the rise of pathogens. So the people looking at coronavirus are wondering how how long is the incubation period between exposure and the first sign of symptoms? And that appears to be about two weeks as far as I know, last I heard at least. And it's been a while since I looked actively into this because I'm kind of overwhelmed and there's just so much now related to it. Um, what I'm hearing is that maybe people shouldn't barrel out and get tested because if you have minor symptoms, you should stay at home and nurse them and not communicate them to other people. And if, and also because save the tests for people where there's, where it's pretty, 
where it's more needful. In other words, you're pretty sure this person has it. It's not just a precautionary test. It's a diagnostic test. This person has symptoms and you just want a confirmation through the test. Don't use up all the tests on people who don't need them, in other words, because apparently hospitals are running short of gowns and masks. Okay. So this presents a new dimension to all of this. And there are so many conspiracies about where this came from. But in a sense, it doesn't – at one level, yes, it matters very profoundly where this came from as in was it it in fact as a doctor in Wuhan, China said before he died of coronavirus – all of this is alleged i you know from the sources that i have which a lot of it's like twitter you know how reliable is that i don't know but this stuff looked pretty credible to me but anything could be faked and i'm a skeptic in any event this doctor said the coronavirus had been lab engineered it was a derivative of some bat virus thingy and it either and it leaked out of the lab whether intentionally or unintentionally now spin off conspiracy theory of that is that the Chinese government was doing this research to bioengineer a bioweapon to use against its enemies, such as the United States. And they, of course, their government, uh, about three weeks ago now, I think, uh, announced that it was the United States who was bioengineering the coronavirus or had done so and had released it. And it's spy versus spy versus spy, if mm-hmm. you ever read Mad Magazine. Yeah. A lot of finger pointing going on, international finger pointing going on. Yeah, it just recently came out that yeah, yeah, China and Russia are saying America did it when everybody's known it's from that Wuhan lab in Wuhan. That's what the doctor said, and he's dead now. And dead men tell no tales, but apparently (laughs) he left some he left some evidence. And uh, have you been following what's going on in Italy? Mm Mm-hmm. So they had the army trucks there. There, I saw some pictures of, well, a column, basically, of army trucks. Well, they had something like, uh, it was 2,000 or 5,000 dead, like all of a sudden. So I'm thinking, well, how many, this is a little grisly and I apologize, but I'm a scientist. How many corpses could fit on on one of these trucks? These were big army trucks. I was thinking, hmm. 20 or 40 it depends on if they're stacking them i i do apologize mm-hmm. but this is the reality of it people you know yeah. and and also i'm thinking about monty python's bring out your dead at the yeah. same time bring out your dead they're, they're making fun now. of this stuff you know that's right not quite dead <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not a laughing matter but no uh, laughter does relieve tension that's a for sure I'm not laughing at anyone, certainly not at, not at any victim, but I'm trying to mentally picture, okay, let's just say even 50 per truck, 50 dead bodies per truck. Mm-hmm. If they've got 2,000, that's a lot of truckloads. They're, they're going to be trucking along, you know. Do the math, in other words. Do the math. And because of the exponential growth of viruses, when you have two cases, that is likely to become four 8, 16, 32, 64. This is all computer counting, this doubling, binary doubling, okay? Once you get up to 128, doubling starts to happen a lot of fat, a lot faster. And when you get up to, say, 250,000, quarter million of anything, I'm not talking about coronavirus or anything like that. I'm just saying of anything. Mm-hmm. 
Double 250,000 is 500,000, half a million. We go from a quarter million to a half a million and then from a half a million to a full million. That's enormous doubling. And that explains the national deficit for one thing, you know, the debt, our debt because of the doubling of interest payments. You know, and when you as a math as a math person, a person who doesn't wait, run away screaming at math, I find it very interesting how economy is playing into this whole coronavirus thing. The stock market tanked. There's murmurings of a Great Depression. We don't want this. No, no people, no. <laughs> Get a grip. This is a flu. This is a virus. Yes, it's it's viral. It's going to kill some people. And I and I feel their pain. It could take me out. It could take anybody out. Stay healthy is the best wisdom, but it's inevitable that some people are going to be cleansed and purged. That's Earth's cleansing and purging. There's probably too many of us. In any event, this virus has gotten out, and it's here, and we're dealing with it. Isolation is known to halt the spread of diseases. So being quarantined, uh, municipalities are imposing quarantines where you can only go out for essential services and that makes sense if you want to contain a contagion. It's inconvenient as heck. Nobody mm-hmm. likes it. But yeah. it's better than having a pandemic. See, pandemics, w- Westerners associate pandemics especially with third world countries, okay, not, and maybe a second world country here or there, but not a first world country. Heavens no. SARS had a, a, an outbreak in the United States, but it ravaged Asia where it originated it and Africa. It took a lot of people there, a lot more than in the United States. And the U.S. should have some of the best containment going because presumably, or we used to be, a first world nation. However, as a, as a reporter on current events, I can tell you there's areas of Los Angeles and other, especially West Coast, metropolitan areas, not exclusively West Coast, but I've covered areas on the West Coast with slum conditions so bad from homelessness. This is all before Mm. coronavirus that typhoid is making a comeback. Typhoid is a medieval disease, medieval. It was pretty much wiped out in the United States, making a comeback because of unsanitary conditions. And when you get these unsanitary third world conditions, that's what we're talking about here, underdevelopment, okay? Low economies, can't afford infrastructure, can't afford healthcare, can't afford trash cans or toilets. That's what's going on in these slums of LA where people are pitching tents and lean-tos and whatever they can, shanty towns in parks, on streets. And then the residents are flipping out, property values going down. They're, I pay taxes. There's hobos out here. You know, from their point of view, these are hobos. They're squatters. Get them off. But where are you going to get them off to? Where are they supposed to go? You know, These are not easy problems to solve. And now we got this coronavirus thing. Meanwhile, all the other stuff that conspiracy writers and news synthesists have been looking at haven't gone away. We're just completely distracted from them, which is a huge signal to conspiracy theorists who look for false flag events. And I'm not saying coronavirus is a false flag. I'm just saying that 
just as Donald Rumsfeld announced the day before September 11th, 2001, when there were multiple attacks on principal targets in the United States, Donald Rumsfeld said there's $2.3 trillion missing, not missing, unaccountable from the Pentagon budget. We just got an audit back. Unaccountable means it went to black ops mostly, which are not accountable. They don't have to account for their expenses. That's the beauty of it, and that's why so much money has been funneled into black ops. All the money that all the money that should have been spent on infrastructure and schools and all the groovy things that cool nations have have been spent on government projects to reverse engineer UFOs, which is just completely wild and crazy. You know, it's like unthinkable. And deep underground military bases to ensure a continuity of government when the SHTF, when the you-know-what hits the fan. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's like now or something, or they would have us believe. But how much of this panic is justified in a sense, panic is never justified. Don't panic. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Panic. Panic never helps. Be methodical. Take steps. Plan. Prepare. Help others. But panic never serves. And I'm reading that some journalists are being accused of fear-mongering about this virus. And I've been very careful to report facts, but some of the facts might be fearful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you can't help it. You know, don't kill the messenger. Right. But I hope everybody is chilling and staying cool. And uh, in Italy, for example, despite the lines of army trucks hauling off corpses and by the way who would want those lying about anyway you want them disposed of responsibly and respectfully right and efficiently that's what we'd hope for people are standing on their balconies in italy because they have balconies in italy in these crowded narrow streets quite often and they're singing which i thought "Mm, that's probably a blessing and a curse (laughs) depending on who your neighbor is Sounds romantic and cool, right? But in reality, ooh, maybe they're not so good. Or you're tired of everywhere. those three songs. You know, I've heard right. those. What else do you know? It's like, shut up already. Oh. I'll pay it's you been... to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it has been pretty cool so far. You know, the different things that people are doing to try to um, keep the positive energy up. And, you know, I was contacted when this first hit the U.S. by a teenager from Tennessee. And she's like, aren't you afraid? And I'm like, well, I am, but I'm not going to admit it. And I'm just going to keep on going like nothing's happening. Um, Keep posting positive things and funny things. And I've caught some flack 
for some of the things that I've posted that I think are funny that other people don't quite think are funny, you know, um, but it's important to laugh. It's important to have that positive energy and not to let that negative energy in because it does affect your immune system and it compromises you and, you know, it's good to laugh and it's cool how everybody's kind of coming together on some fronts. On other fronts, we need to get our heads out of our asses. Well, I can't disagree with any of that. But the wait, there's many, many other coronavirus conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. One of them is that it ha- that it's it has to do with five G, and there I've heard two different theories. One, see if you've heard these in Wuhan, China. There were videos coming out that I saw in the middle of January when I first started covering this. These were the first videos released and still frames taken from these videos. And there was one still frame where there was a person standing in a full hazmat suit, standing over a corpse lying on a street. And this person had apparently just fallen right down where they stood or walked and had bashed their head on the paving stones, poor fellow, and his and he was bleeding down in the gutter. It was kind of gross. But, you know, that's science for you. It's not always pretty. And light work isn't always pretty, and it isn't always easy to to deal with. But this was important. And uh, somebody is saying that in Wuhan, at the same time the first cases of this virus were being reported, which was apparently the last two weeks of December or the last 10 days of December, as near as we know in the West. That's what I've heard. At the same time that the virus started showing symptoms in people, they would have been infected two weeks before, Wuhan rolled out 5G and began testing 5G. And Wuhan Wuhan is a test city for this. And that what they were doing was actually using 5G as a weapon, which some people claim it can be done with, can be modified to do with ease, weaponized. And that the government of China was targeting polis- political dissidents and mowing them down with 5G, calling it coronavirus, saying that the symptoms were the coronavirus. But we're not – I have not seen any other videos of people slumping down or falling down. That first week that I was seeing video from inside China, allegedly from inside China, people were dropping in place and I'm not sure that's happening at this point. I don't know one way or the other. I wonder if anybody out there in viewer land knows, the audience knows, or if you know TNT. Yeah, I am not certain. I have not seen it in my personal life, and uh, my kids started getting sick this last – not last week, the week before. And so I did call it in and talk to the nurse, and she's like, well, let's try these different things at home. If he gets his fever back or uh, has – wheezing then call us again and then we'll test him um but yeah everybody's good the one kid that i worry about is uh nova because she had pertussis as a baby her immune system is uh not very good so um we've been trying to stay at home for the most part but it seems like everywhere and even in different countries every country it's the same thing all the shelves are empty like people are um buying on impulse and i don't know I guess it's a smart move, but I I try to think about other people around me. Um, do I really need all of these, or can I come back and get these later? 
at Walmart, they were kind of doing it like Black Friday where uh, you line up for your toilet paper and they'll give you one per household. Um, one, one thing of toilet paper as far as a package and one thing of paper towels. But they started these... There dry- was a... Go ahead. No, you go. Well, I was going to say... Drive-thrus? Uh, yeah, these drive through testing sites and uh, particular people can go, people that work in the industry of healthcare, um, long-term, short-term, you know, EMTs, whatnot, um, people that are diabetic, over a certain age, or compromised immune system. Nobody else qualifies for testing. And even with that, I heard that we don't even have the essential chemicals to extract what we need from the test to get a positive or negative. Um, We're kind of running out, I guess. But there's so many different things going on out there. Yeah, just trying to stay positive. Well, an ounce of of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And I talked earlier about this strange cleanse that I'm well strange to me I'm it's not strange to others probably Uh, I'm just I've never been allergic to anything that I know of I could eat freely and I have done (laughs) all my life I'm a I'm an avid eater so restricting dairy and whey and gluten and uh, no pork by the way which is big in the area I live pork is king and uh, (laughs) and I love I loves it uh, did paleo for a while, did Atkins for a while. So this is uh, kind of the opposite tack. And the purpose of this cleanse is to kill a virus responsible for mononucleosis, thyroid disease, and neuro- neuropathic diseases like shingles, neuropathies, uh, nervous system illnesses, all thought by mainstream science to be autoimmune uh, attacks on the body. An autoimmune system gone wild and attacking yourself, which just doesn't make sense at all. I never believed that uh, as I progressed through all these illnesses. And diet is key. Where are these chemical soups? And diet is key. So as far as your kids and keeping them healthy, and this applies to anybody's kids, and this applies to any adults too, it's time to lighten up on the snack foods, the the, the fast foods, especially processed foods. Foods that have nitrates, if it comes out of a box or a can, look carefully at the labels because there's probably a lot of extra stuff added that cumulatively isn't so great for you. And I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. I'm just saying look into the research. In my case, I was a dairy freak it turns out and I thought it would be really hard. You know, half and half and coffee, that was my thing. And I realized – I could nurse that for for half the day and then switch to other beverages. And I realized, you know, putting a lot of this muck in my system and I thought it would be really hard to go without it. But I got this almond milk and I cringe because there was a Lewis Black bit where he talks about dairy milk in the milk case at the grocery store next to the soy milk and the almond milk and the coconut milk. He's like – don't talk to my milk. You're going to make my milk feel bad about itself. <laughs> You're going to make it curdle. <laughs> they're not really milk. <laughs> and they're not. They're not really milk. So when I say almond milk, I'm like, no, it's not almond milk. It's the pressings of almond, but that's too that's too long to put on the carton. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I have that in the coffee, and I don't like it as much. So I don't drink as much coffee. And I'm thinking that's probably a win, 
right there because what you are supposed to drink, guess what, is more water mm-hmm. and not just tap water, filtered water. So now looking at the reverse osmosis. And that gets into the conspiracy of fluoridation, adding fluoride to water. Have you looked into that conspiracy theory oh, or yeah, fact? That's terrible, yeah. Um, it's making kids dumber um, and it affects our health in many different ways, but for the most part, it dumbs us down. I have proof that it does, subjective proof, which for me is still proof because I'm not only a, a physics kind of person. I love astronomy and such, physics, but I'm a metaphysicist, mm-hmm. a spiritualist and psychic, okay? so I, and, I, and I don't see any problem with having both, right? Uh, boy, I kind of forgot where I was going to go with that. Help me out here. <laughs> We're talking about so many things at once. I'm just so excited. <laughs> yes, we were talking about, uh, Cog calls it nut juice, but almond milk and the pressings of it. And then, uh, Oh, yeah. And I thought I'd be totally uh, dependent on dairy, but I gave it up just like that. And without mucus, uh, dairy, among other things, uh, creates mucus, as you may know, and mm-hmm. viruses feed on that stuff and they exploit it. So the idea uh, through this diet which is mostly fruits and vegetables and no dairy and no egg lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And no pork and no wheat or, or gluten. You know, and, and I wasn't eating bread much before anyway, so it wasn't that much of a change for me. Uh, you starve the virus. And this is a different virus from coronavirus, but I would think, why wouldn't it starve all viruses? Don't they all operate more or less the same way? And I don't know for a fact, but it's a working hypothesis, shall we say, okay, working theory. I want to starve this virus as I build my immune system up through good nutrition. That's not hard to understand. No, and I heard um, that not only getting your vitamin C, but getting the fresh vitamin C from the actual fruit and uh, different things you can eat to get it. Uh, be doing that a lot right now. I heard about um, slicing up the lemon and pouring hot water over that, making it alkaline water and doing that a few times a day is supposed to help with it. Um, washing your hands. Or limes. Limes yes. are good. I like limes even better. Or both together. Lemon, lime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll get enough to mix it up. <laughs> mm. um, you know what I like? I uh, had a, I have a recipe for baklava, which is glorious and sinful and beautiful all at once. Yes. Baklava is uh, ground nuts with cinnamon and nutmegs and spices. 
that are uh, make layers between phyllo dough, which is that thin papery dough, and then overall is poured honey. And in restaurants, the baklava has honey that's really watered down. But I have a recipe where you use the real deal, straight honey, and you simmer it with half a lemon and uh, and the juice of this lemon. And it extracts enzymes and flavonoids from the peel as well as the pulp. And it gets it all into the honey. And the part I like, and, and that's what you drizzle over the top of this baklava and bake it like that. Oh, my gosh, it's to die for. Honey lemon. And then with the halves of the lemons that are left over after squeezing out all of the honey onto the baklava, because I'm that way, uh, they're warm and soft and uh, over something because they drip. They sometimes drip. Uh, just suck them like a lemon. Just ah, oh, the sweet and the sour together. Ah, that's so good. Yeah, and honey but not is a so lot of sweet. Sweets. Honey is good for you, but you don't want too many sweets. They not too many sweets. They feed viruses. I found out that dates from date palms uh, feed the brain. The kind of sugar in dates gives energy to the brain. So if you have brain fog, cut back on the f- the fake foods, right? And go with the whole foods and especially dates. And the other one was, I think it might have been honey, that it really nourishes the brain, not only gives you energy. Yes, it's really good and really good for you. Um, but yeah, uh, one thing that Somebody pointed out just yesterday that I didn't even think of because I haven't been driving for a while is gas pumps. I wonder how many people are thinking about it when they grab onto that gas pump. Oh, everything we touch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's the world has I don't even wanna, I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> when, if you understand like, how diseases spread. Uh, uh, when I saw the face masks, I thought, this is interesting. The people wearing face masks were in Asia, but people in, in China, people in China and Asia wear face masks because their world is polluted. Mm-hmm. There are high levels of air pollution. But the context of these pictures was that they had donned face masks, face masks en masse uh, at airports and train stations trying to get out of Wuhan. That was the context, okay? And... I was thinking uh, there's an assumption that this virus is spread by aspiration. That is, particles of it are airborne when a person coughs or sneezes. And I thought, but maybe it's – whether that's true or not, say a person sneezes and they use their hand to block it, okay? And then before washing their hand, they touch a doorknob or they touch whatever, you know, anything. So if you think about walking through an airport, how many things do you touch? Well, some things more than others. Probably you touch more things when you're on an airplane, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in a seat on an airplane. If you're just traveling through an airport, you could arrange it so that you didn't touch much of anything. And if you did, you it would be in a restroom where you could wash your hands with soap and water, which, by the way, is the most effective treatment to prevent a virus, hot, warm, soapy water, and then disinfectants, then rubbing alcohol, which only kills, mm, I want to say, I, I had the statistic, 
it's like between 60 and 80% of germs, whereas soapy water will literally wash it away. And you want to be sure if you've been in an area that could be contaminated, wherever it is, that before you touch your ears, eyes, mouth, you know, before you touch your tender tissues, your soft tissues, you wash with soapy water. That's a must. That's why there's public service announcements, wash frequently. Well, it's not so much wash frequently. Wash after you've been ex- exposed to possible contaminants when you've been out in public, for example. If you drive in your car somewhere, get out, go into a park, don't touch anything, get back in your car, drive back home, you probably haven't exposed yourself to any contaminants. But if you sit on a park bench, now the game has changed. Unless yeah. you're wearing gloves. Well, even going to the dispensary but then your gloves here, might pick it up. you go in and I was like, wow, something's changed. I'm like, did you guys take stuff out of here? And they're like, yeah, we took the chairs and we took the, the displays and all the things that people touch. We took those out and they even have the door like propped open. Um, so, I mean, people are doing different things to keep things out of reach because you touch things, you do things. And then, I mean, I touch my face. I don't know how many times a day. Um, it's hard not to. Get an it edge, is. Get... It's subconscious almost. Mm-hmm. We're, we we just do it. It's a reflex. Maybe is better to say. You know, it's if you have an itch, you scratch it. If you have a tear, you wipe it away. But it's time to be more mindful about these activities when you're out in public, especially, and avoid going out in public. That way, you don't mess up. You know, set make it harder for a virus to have opportunity to find a host. That's what this is all about. This is not about our government depriving us of things we need. This is about stopping a virus in its tracks before it gets a toehold. Well, it's already gotten a toehold. That's what the experts are saying. Our, our federal officials are saying it's too late to prevent it for whatever. And, oh, yeah. and I don't play a blame game, but we can General. do a lot. We can do a lot to, to, to slow it down. <laughs> and closing schools is a very – I know it's controversial, but closing schools is, is one way to stop it. Other mm-hmm. people say open the schools and just as we used to have measles and mumps parties and chickenpox parties when I was in school back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, <laughs> let people who are going to get sick get sick. But apparently the uh, – the rate of incidence, you know, the number of cases is somehow alarming, that it seems more viral or virulent than other diseases. I don't, but it's flu season. I, I, To a great extent, I don't understand the overreaction, what seems to be an overreaction. Maybe it's not an overreaction. I think it's the more it spreads around, the more likely it is to mutate. So maybe they're trying not to do that. But mm-hmm. um our kids are on spring break right now. They're supposed to go back this next week. But um, I was like, man, I don't think I'm even going to take my kids back. And then all of a sudden. I, I bet you they don't go back. There'll be an announcement that school's out for another week. Oh, yeah. We got uh, several emails and the date keeps getting further and further out. The last one I heard or read was April 17th. My niece said it was the 20th, but. So far, I've only read the 17th, and I've been pretty on top of it. But it's all over the United States, the same date, so it's got to be something federal. Right, 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 right. And they're going with two- to three-week incubation periods, the time it takes symptoms to develop, thinking that people who have symptoms develop will either self-treat at home and hopefully get better. If they self-treat at home and don't get better, 
they'll go to a hospital or some care facility and be tested and processed, processed, and hopefully, again, they'll recover. But frankly, at this point, once you've gotten symptoms, apparently it's, you, you know, it's 50-50. You're going to get better or you're not. And there, uh, a, the big deal is the treatment, treatment and cure. Treatment. Who will have the tr- race for the treatment, race for the cure? We'll see. We'll see. I, I have to remain optimistic until proven otherwise. And we are... Not only is the United States full of resourceful people, the world is full of resourceful people who are very motivated to succeed. And there are a lot of great humanitarians in the world, even though they are probably not the ones responsible for this virus, because I'm pretty sure it's human manufactured. Yeah. And it didn't spring didn't spring out of the open markets in Wuhan where they put fish next to monkey meat. Or whatever. Oh man, I watched a Facebook Live the other day going through the market, and I'm like, "Holy shnikes! Look at all this stuff! Like they eat all this stuff. It's pretty insane." I know. Yeah. Well, it's their culture. Have a bat it, on a it, stick. It, Would it, you it's like really not fair. <laughs> really not fair for us to label it insane. You see what I'm saying? That's well, a bit for of me it is. Bias, like, I wouldn't put that in if my I mouth. could just say, you know, <laughs> I uh, you know they eat mouth. dog too. I know I'll get flash flack from that but because uh, that's a very sensitive topic and uh, one of the things I write about is uh, our survival stories for survival.update and uh, and I found a show about survival and I thought this could be cool and a guy was lost in the Amazon and he had picked up a stray dog early on in his journey when he still had guides he lost his guides. He lost. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lost his stuff. And he lost the dog for a couple of weeks, but the dogs found him in the middle of the Amazonian jungle. He's trying to make his way about 100 miles inland to the coast. And he's actually making a good He's doing it, although it's very, very tough. Well, it gets to the point where the dog is back. And, I mean, this guy's Western. He's he's American. And uh, he, uh, like, by day, I mean, this this went on a long time. He was out there for 46 days. So by day 30 or so, he's eyeing this dog thinking, my gosh, you know, you're full of meat. You're full of protein because he's starving. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and then he – and then I think he was actually British. And he said, of course, I could not do that. In other words, he he just couldn't eat a dog. It's it's against his cultural ethos. He just wouldn't do it. Well, within the week, he'd killed the dog and tried to eat it. But by then, his body was so starved, 
he couldn't keep it down and he realized Aww. now I've killed my companion for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That really if I may I speak freely or are we yeah, actually speak freely. Like, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> I was expecting something else, but <laughs> really fucking blows. Because, I well. mean, that has a lot to do, you know. <laughs> Your words, with, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, companionship. You could live so long on just that, even though you don't have your water or your proteins or other things that you need. That could, like, keep you going longer than were you alone. And um... Yeah. Well, companionship and respect for another creature, right? When you're out in a survival scenario and it's and it's between you and the fish in that river – who's going to win, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like fishing in Colorado for sport or in your farm pond, right? That was stocked. You know, it's, it's a whole different dynamic when if you don't snare an animal or spear a fish or figure out some way to get a fish out of the water, you know what I'm saying? That you could die of starvation this puts a whole new spin on the taking of life, okay? And a lot of people don't realize when you eat meat at the supermarket, that came from a life. And mm -hmm. I'm not lobbying for vegetarianism, although people do lobby for vegetarian by saying it takes a life. I'm saying that if you're mindful of the fact, cognizant of the fact that that's where that thing came from, then maybe you wouldn't be so harsh to criticize people who hunt for meat as well as sport. Okay. So I'm talking about uh, venison. So deer, elk, caribou, uh, perhaps even moose. And these things are regulated by people who ought to know what they're doing. It's not clear they always do, but state regulators issue permits for hunting. This is not just willy nilly. And in fact, hunters are some of the Professional hunters are some of the best conservationists on earth, and they have mm -hmm. organizations to preserve species. It's poachers who are the problem. So I like to fish, and I'm very good at it with the right equipment. But if my equipment sank to the bottom and all I had was my bare hands, that'd be a whole different story oh, <laughs> and yeah. not, not necessarily a happy one. <laughs> <laughs> So what I like to do is I like to go on YouTube and look for videos of people from – remember how we were talking about first world, second world, third world countries? What's interesting is that people from third world countries have very ingenious ways to do things like trap fish and trap animals. And they, and they love to take videos of themselves on their cell phones. And they're all over YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it's hours of fun and education. Because you can trap squirrels, you can trap birds, you can trap anything you want. It's crazy. And if you do trap animals, be responsible. You know, you need to have a reason to be doing so. Not for, not, not, please don't torture animals. That's just, that's just, that's wrong. Don't yeah, do that. Don't do that. Don't do that, kids. Well, on that note, Jean, we do have to go to our first break. We are a little late, but I mean, I'm just having such a good time talking about these things, even though they're terrible, most of them. Um, you know, use your common sense. Let's let's get this going and let's help those around us. But um, on this musical break, we have high school phenom from Ontario, Canada, Michaela Hay, and she's going to be singing Mirror. 
um, as well as pins and needles. And then we have Tracy Cruz from the Oakland, California area with electricity. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this musical break.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
picking the pieces all around My safety has been broken This is now a hunting ground Talking on pins and needles Talking on pins and needles Welcome back, and thanks so much for joining us tonight on We Are Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. Tonight, we are joined by Miss Jean Broida, and she is the author of an amazing book, um, Unknown Objects, and it's actually the top 10 cases in the U.S. of UFOs. But before we get there, I just want to say, last note on the whole virus, wash your hands, use your common sense, and right now the big thing is social distancing, people. So take a note from Michael Myers and keep your distance. Michael Myers is doing it right. So welcome back, Jean. It's so great to have you on the show this evening. I am so happy to be here with you, Tessa TNT. Thanks for having me on your awesome show. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on. And I really, really want to know, um, when you first got into the paranormal field, um, perhaps as a child, did you ha- first have a paranormal experience or did you have a UFO, which is under the umbrella of the paranormal? I became interested as a teenager when I discovered there were paranormal books at the library. I, I Not at my school library, but when I got old enough, I was venturing forth into city libraries and university libraries. And that's where I discovered a section called Paranormal. Had no idea such a thing exists. Nobody in my family ever talked about any of that stuff. There weren't a lot of TV shows. And it was ghosts and Loch Ness monster and UFOs and of all and, and other topics but of all these topics the one that really appealed to me and drew me was UFOs and I began to read as many books as I could actually not as many books just good books I read good books so I read Chariots of the Gods by Von Donegan because I, I quickly realized there's there's books and there's books you know and there's a lot yeah. being written on the subject but mm, some of them not so credible but when you look at researchers such as Eric Von Donegan who did not have a science background but felt impelled to study ancient mysteries archaeological mysteries and the human timeline it just didn't add up the science that I was taught in school did not add up and what's interesting is that how many people of my generation knew that what we're being taught in school for ancient origin our human origin just didn't add up and started looking for better answers a better timeline and started finding it so in chariots of the gods 
Von Donegan starts to stitch together features on Earth that are only visible from from an altitude, an elevation, such as the Nazca Lines in mm-hmm. in Peru, crop circles, and and how other large monuments on Earth, such as the Great Pyramids of Giza and other pyramids around the world, align with stars. He made very, he made early, by which I mean in the late 1960s, he published Chariots of the Gods, first edition, and it rocked the scientific world because the notion that humans traced ancestrally back to aliens who were bioengineering us. I mean, that's the long and the short of it. That's the theory. As based, as evidenced by archaeological findings and monuments that still exist, you know, what were these for? Was it merely religion? We don't think so. And so this whole ancient, ancient, uh, what's the name of that show? The ancient astronauts, right? Ancient astronauts thinking came from ancient aliens and ancient astronauts and ancient archaeology. All of these subjects, broad sweeping subjects were spawned in the public interest really to a great extent by Eric Von Donegan and I had the great fortune and pleasure of meeting him at last year's contact in the desert west where I attended his intensive workshop. It was smashing. It was it was a dream come true meeting the man who set the stage for real deep questioning of where human beings come from and how aliens play into all of that. Well, another researcher I got into early on, <clears throat> this is in the mid-1970s, was J. Allen Hynek, Dr. Hynek, I presume. He had worked on Project Blue Book, which is uh, was a federal study to debunk UFOs, but un- and he was the civilian scientist, an astrophysicist. Unfortunately for the federal government, he was a scientist, and he he did not agree with the federal conclusion, the official government conclusion, that there was nothing to this UFO thing because, in fact, of all the hundreds of cases they looked into, some were genuinely unexplained and freaky-deaky. Let's just be honest. Freaky-deaky stuff. Okay? I thought I was the only one who said that. <laughs> freaky-deaky. And he said – he he reversed his position. He went from allowing his work to help the U.S. government muddy up the question of UFOs and make it a matter of belief. They put it into the category of, of religion. Do you believe in UFOs? No, I don't believe in UFOs. I know my government knows they exist. That's something completely different. And it's a conversation very few people ever have because you get back to the belief thing. Well, I don't believe they exist. Why don't you believe they exist? Have you researched this at all? No. No, I haven't researched it at all, but I don't believe they exist. Why do you not believe they exist? Because I've been told over and over and over by sneering newscasters that you must be crazy to believe in UFOs. My government tells me you must be crazy to believe in UFOs. There's no scientific evidence, no physical evidence, blah, blah, blah. They got all the evidence. They, they, they covered it all up. Well, in logic, you can't prove something by saying the lack of evidence proves that our government hid it. That doesn't hold up. Okay, (laughs) but when you but on the other hand, when you have insiders saying I held evidence in my hand, 
I wrote up a, a report about this evidence. I autopsied an alien. When you get stuff like that, and not just one story like that, but many, 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 what the heck is going on? And these are people who worked for the military or contracted to the military, right? They took money from the government. They took some of these trillions of dollars of black ops money. That's who we're talking about. What the heck is going on? Well, it's pretty clear when you start to – it doesn't take long to figure this out. I'll tell you what. Early on in my research, I'd read Von Donegan and Heineck and others. I went to my dad who had worked on nuclear development. I said, Dad, these guys seem to know their stuff. They seem well-researched. They, uh, they have citations. They have all the stuff that books have, you know, that valid literary authors have. They cite their sources. I looked him right – I said, what, what about this, Dad? Are there UFOs or not? He looked me right in the eye. And by then, by the way, he was working at a think tank. Great. <laughs> doing advanced technologies that may have been reverse engineering alien tech. What do I know? Uh, that's a different story. He looked me right in the eye and he said, the government has no evidence that UFOs exist. No physical evidence. They don't evidence. have any evidence that they don't. But it is that's a big, huge cover-up. But I think no well, he was it. either lying and knowing he was lying or lying because he didn't know what the truth was. Well, by by the time grandpa, we had that conversation, our government had plenty of evidence. Yeah. He just And I'm thinking maybe he's dead now. I'm, and I don't know for sure, but I'm really getting vibes from the afterlife, that he was he knew a lot more than he was letting on. And he couldn't let on because he'd signed one of those papers that said if he let on, bad things happen to him and his family. So he's protecting me. You know, exactly. you meet lots of people who tell this story. And other people say, well, my dad inducted me into the secret space program. We went through a portal and we traveled time together. And then I went on solo missions. There's that guy who says he went to Gettysburg and gave Lincoln a note. You familiar with that story? And it changed the course of the war. Uh, you should fill us in on it. I, I believe I'm familiar with it, but let our listeners hear the story if you do. Uh, well, I don't remember that. the gentleman's name. Unfortunately, I could look it up on the fly, but I don't want to break our our moment here no uh, this guy is saying that uh, what i just said his his father was military and uh he was and, and he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps but he was basically inducted into a time travel program that would have undoubtedly uh, sprung out of it was called uh, the project is called looking glass and it is it was a shoot off from m the mk ultra and montauk island research which is a very deep rabbit hole and well worth any conspiracy synthesis interest so they had a portal a la uh, um, boy I, I just had a massive brain seizure on the name of uh, Stargate Stargate it was an excellent movie with Kurt Russell and then they made a really good TV show out of Stargate remember that one oh yeah and the Stargate is Intuitively, when they showed that Stargate, I thought that intuitively my reaction was, yeah, that's right. That's that's It, it has these counter-rotating rings, and it sets up a plasma field, and that's that's what it is. You know, I have this sort of – I have a memory or a sense that – in other words, I, in school, I knew when they said primitive people were – well, ancient people were primitive. 
and some and yet somehow they made pyramids and stuff like that. I was like, no, that's not right. The ancient people were obviously very advanced. They understood science and math and stuff, so they couldn't have been that dumb. You know, so there's something else going on there, right? So primitive man, stupid. I don't think so. But no. when you say uh, some some of the more modern theories that come along, they they feel intuitively correct. And what can I say? As a mystic. As a parapsychologist, I can allow for intuition, not to say it shouldn't be tested empirically, but some things are hard or impossible to test empirically, and it doesn't mean that you're not right. ESP is a thing. It's a real thing. Some people have more than others. Some people have psychic talents more than others. Unfortunately, there's some fraud going around out there too, but again, I, I don't dwell in those spaces. I'm a light worker, so I'm looking for the real deal. You Ain't know, nobody got time for that. We got our own I, thing to do. That's right, girlfriend. I know that's right. Yeah, it just takes so much energy and not the good kind to to even delve into that stuff. So I agree with you. You know, there's other things that we need to be doing as light workers. And once you realize that you are a light worker, it makes things, don't you think it's made your life so much simpler than it was before you knew? Well... I don't know if I'd use the word simpler. <laughs> well, at least you know what you're doing now instead of like, what is my book. purpose? I've got a, a <laughs> podcast show like yours and well, not yeah. like yours, but you know, as you have done that, that's, it's fun to do, but it is labor. It's a labor of love in my yeah, case, I love it, but it's a lot of work, but I love it. But I've never been one to sit around and, and, uh, uh, my, I came from a productive family. Mm-hmm. If you if you went to mom and said, I'm bored, well, she had a chore list mm-hmm. and she was happy to give you work to do. <laughs> so much better to find something else to do. It was so not, easy to find things as a mom. kid. We'd play in the dirt. We'd build forts, like all kinds of things. We played outside a lot. And it was the time when people... Kids played outside until the streetlights went on. Mm-hmm. It really was. And we didn't want to come in. No. We weren't done yet. So um, we had somebody in the Spreaker, or actually the Periscope chat room, ask, um, have you ever had a UFO encounter? Not consciously. Have Has this person who asked... Thank you, viewer. Thank you, chatty. Chatty person. Zuby says he thinks he was abducted. Let me see. See? It's back here a little bit. See, I suspect I was abducted as a child and that I have screen memories that were interpreted by my mother as nightmares. So Bobby Shea is the one who asked, has she had a UFO experience? I'm pretty sure I was abducted as a child, which is why, as a teenager, I was I gravitated toward the UFO section, not the ghosts, mm-hmm. not the Nessie. That there's a reason why a lot of people are drawn to this UFO thing. It's it's a like the one 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 thing on digital displays. Interest in UFOs is a thing. I don't want to call it a cult, but it's a common interest. The way that scrapbooking is a common interest. Okay, there's mm-hmm. something about it that intrigues people and a lot of people who've had abduction experiences don't remember the abductions 
And if I am an abductee, an active abductee, which I say, one school of thought is that if you're abducted as a child, you're probably still being abducted mm-hmm. and at night and screen memories, uh, for the forgetting and all that stuff. If, if that's going on with me, I am seeing no evidence of implants or any of that sort of thing. It's not clear I'm on any hybridization program. It looks like my job is more education and entertainment, which is nice because that's what I like to do and doing the light work thing. So informing people of the truth as nicely as possible, but sometimes getting hands dirty and speaking harsh truths, tough love kind of stuff. It isn't always pleasant and gay, right? But helping people is the thing. It's what light workers are hard, hardwired to do and why we came to earth, why we incarnated on earth at any given time. I think there's been light workers in all ages at all times with consciousness at the state it is now there's because it's, because light work and metaphysics in general has been suppressed for so long in the West by Western thinking, it, it's had a resurgence since the psychedelic 60s. And then it kind of went back down and now the wave is coming back up. I think a wave of interest is coming back up. And we have this new age phenomenon as well where people can talk about crystal healing and aromatherapy and ways to heal through sound and vibration Reiki that that are you know why are these things even out of the mainstream? Why aren't they mainstream? To yeah, me, why do they want them so hidden and they right, don't talk you know? about it? Yeah, why are these taboo? Why are why aren't we allowed to have these? Well, conspiracy theorists might say because alternative therapies that actually cure by going to the roots of problems threaten big pharma profits big pharmaceutical company profits. Oh, they yeah. they make money off treatment, not cure. And if you're buying vitamins and supplements, I just wrote on this the other day, if, you're, if a, you as a consumer with a limited budget are buying vitamins and supplements to prevent, to build your immune system and prevent getting a virus, for example, or just to stay healthy, then you don't need to buy consequential medicine if you don't get the infection, if you don't get the inflammation, if you don't display symptoms of the virus that might be coughing, sinuses that are blocked, then you don't need the over-the-counter medicines that treat cough and sinus problems. And Big Pharma makes no money. And they can't have that, apparently. No. I mean, basically everybody in the medical field is in bed with a pharmaceutical company. That's why everything has a pill. You know, there's an answer for everything you got. When in reality, there's so many different things you can do. Um, it's just another way of dumbing us down and killing us. Like we're- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're over the numbers we're supposed to be according to the Georgia Guidestones. Um, Way over according to yeah. them. I mean, <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, think it's talking about, a, I think we did the math, it's a 1 in 12 reduction 
one out of 12 people would be left on Earth, right? They want a half a billion and there's six billion on the planet, something like that. That's how we did that math. One in 12. So if you're in a classroom with 30 kids, three would be left, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty sobering. And is this virus a means to achieve that? That's another conspiracy theory, right? Right. Is this the New World Order flexing its muscles to – I mean this this gets really deep. First the virus, then the medical lockdowns and martial law. This is all Alex Jones stuff, right? But others too. And And I'm not saying he's not right. I'm not judging. I'm just – I observe – uh, so martial law, FEMA as the enforcement and and the agency that takes care of biz- business, right? They, they take care of the business. And then when you know, when is the emergency over? When are these restrictions lifted? Nobody's even talking about that right now at this point. And these are all, you know, Conspiracy theorists are keeping a, a, an eye open. These are interesting times. They definitely are. And um, it's not happening everywhere at once. And people are wondering, is this really happening somewhere in California? You know, uh, martial law, nobody's allowed to leave. Military's there, so on and so forth. And then other places, supposedly, it's supposed to be happening. We have supposedly tonight, Silverton, Colorado, has been uh, shut down. I don't know if that means the past due to snow or something else. I know the... Uh, military is supposed to be in Telluride, which is really strange to me. Telluride isn't even a large place. Why do we need them there? So many weird things happening, and it makes you wonder what's really happening. Um, is it just the virus going on right now, or is there something else going on that they want us to be inside, tucked away, and not out there, you know, checking things out and being aware of things? Probing questions, just like alien abductees say when they take, get taken aboard the ships. They were probed. And not, not in a pleasant way. No. And there's supposedly different races of aliens, and it just amazes me like how much the government does want to cover that up. But at the same time, look at how everybody's reacting to this virus. If there was disclosure, do you think like people would be going the same route and totally losing their minds and they can't even grasp that this is actually happening? You mean uh, alien disclosure? UFO yeah. disclosure? Yes. Um, you know, it's inter- that's an interesting question. And I wrote about that in an historical context because it's looking like Winston Churchill started all of that and advised uh, – um, Eisenhower, Ike Eisenhower, when he was still a general before he became president, uh, that Churchill believed – and remember the the Western world, let, let's just say England and the United States, were much more Christian or at least they thought they were. They postured as being much more Christian and Catholic as nations than they, than they are or do today, I think. And Churchill said it would create mass panic, the idea of a superior force that – they couldn't control. That's what we're talking about, UFOs. They, they defy modern technology. We can't explain them. We can't control them. They're, they threaten our national airspace, but they're not, they're not aggressive. These things never attack. That's what's kind of interesting. All these governments regard them as threats, and yet they don't do anything threatening particularly. They display superior 
force sometimes in terms of shutting down nuclear installations, you know, proving their capabilities. They play cat and mouse with interceptor jet planes regularly and, and uh, cat and mouse with carrier groups in the oceans and rise up out of the oceans and plop back in and reveal themselves sometimes. This is all according to military personnel. This is documented. I'm not just being whimsical here. Right. The military personnel are suffering psychological effects of having to clam up anytime something weird goes down. And we're getting deathbed confessions of people who said, I had to sign the document. I couldn't talk about it. Bad things would happen to me and my family. So now that I have nothing, you know, my family's dead or whatever, and I got nothing to live for, I need to come clean. My con- I need to clean my conscience before I slip away. And they do. And they talk about how everything that was reported by ufologists and then debunked by the U.S. government was true because they were there and they saw it. So it's from the department of we knew it all along. Our government spends taxpayer money refusing, denying, and debunking good research, valid research. That's just wrong. And how are we going to stop that? It's not entirely clear that we even can. So when we're looking at what's going on in modern events, I can see why some people are very distrustful of FEMA being in control of anything. I mean, look at how they failed to respond to Katrina. This is something I read recently. FEMA has stopped being an emergency services agency and has started being a detention center. Okay, that's one conspiracy theory, that all these empty FEMA camps around the country are detention centers waiting to be filled up. They, many of them are staffed, is what I've heard, and, and yet have no inmates or residents, depending on whose vernacular you want to choose. So FEMA set up emergency screening areas near 12 major airports last week, and that's probably a good thing. But FEMA in, New or- in uh, the New Orleans area, down in Louisiana, where Katrina hit hard, were confiscating people's guns and knocking women down. There were videos of them knocking women to the floor, old women to the floor, elderly women to the floor, and their tone just seemed inappropriate for the circumstance. In other words, they didn't seem concerned about people's needs and offering aid and relief. They were gun grabbing. Uh What's that about? You know, that – that's concerning to me. I'm a, I am a staunch defender of the Second Amendment, and in an emergency, I want my gun because what if somebody comes to my house with malice aforethought? Well, yeah, you never know. Is it your neighbor, a complete stranger? Like who's going to show up because they're out of food or out of whatever – things could get crazy. I definitely went and, and got know, and, my gun. And of course, uh, the government would say, well, that's why we take the guns so that people can't show up with a gun. Okay. Well, they can't show up with a gun, but they can show up with a shovel. <laughs> you know, they yeah. can show up with a bat. They can uh-huh. show up with a kitchen knife. And again, I don't want to draw that energy. I'm just saying that taking guns is maybe a smoke screen for something else. That's what's conspiracy theorists chew around on conspiracy threes well, anytime in history that really guns have down. been taken it's never turned out good mm. 
Never turns out well for the people whose guns no. are taken. No, 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 don't, no, no. Don't be. <laughs> don't go there. Don't Wouldn't go there. Be prudent. But, you know, even before this pandemic as proclaimed by the World Health Organization, West Virginia – no, I'm sorry, Virginia. The state of Virginia had elections and went completely democratic because Mike Bloomberg bought the elections for the House – uh, the state and, and I'm getting into politics here. I hope that's okay uh, because I don't want to irritate anybody. But I'm Freedom just saying that part of, part of the Democratic initiative in Virginia was to grab guns. They wanted to grab semi-automatics and they wanted to grab any, anybody who owned ones, you know. And so there was a howling and people showed up in hundreds at their courthouses and overwhelmed the buildings, spilled out into the lawns to say, no, no, we want our guns. They're tools. We have the right to have them under the Constitution. Thank you very much. Second Amendment to the Constitution. And we don't want uh, – how the term was something like remote billionaire. Uh, they were talking about Bloomberg, that he's a, a city slicker basically who's making rural rules – not just him, but these leading Democrats who want to take the guns, who, who want to restrict gun access, ammunition access, the capacity of guns to do their jobs, which is to shoot and not to kill. The purpose of a gun is not to kill. The purpose of a gun is to shoot and mm -hmm. hit a target. That's the purpose of a gun. And I and from the 60s, guns don't kill people. People kill people. And when people don't have guns, they pick up shovels and knives and picks and other things and, oh, yeah. or just their bare hands. You know, I mean, well, a person who intends to kill is going to do that. Yeah. And that's a whole different issue. Right. But uh, in terms of guns, it doesn't. For a remote billionaire to come in and say, Virginians, rural Virginians, we're going to take all your, your semis away. People use them to hunt. They use them to target practice and just dick around. You know, it's my right to have a gun. I want my gun. If you don't want a gun, don't get a gun. But why are you messing around with mine? So they tried to pass legislation. They proposed legislation in Virginia that was hooted down. Just protested violently. So they amended it. They said, okay, if you own a semi, you can keep it. We'll grandfather clause it in for a while at least. But yeah, but you have to register all your guns. And, you know, I'm not against gun registration. But today we register them. Tomorrow we come and get them because we know where you live. You're voluntarily telling them where you live, how many guns you have. And if we know you're gun grabby, which they have already demonstrated that they are, maybe I don't want to give you that information if I don't have to. In other words, the whole package of rules that they have bundled smells, smells really rotten. And the purpose seems to be to emasculate Americans, make us fearful, make us helpless. And I really resist that thinking as a, as a survivalist and a realist. We need to get creative and cooperative and sharing and caring while looking after ourselves. You look after yourself first, you help others. That's why it's always gone down or, or should. But apparently the balance of nature is out of whack. A lot of people in inner city conditions and in these crowded slum conditions in places like L.A. are not it's – it's the new normal there. The new normal is third world, not first world. And so people are reacting differently. What do you think? Um, 
I don't know. It is insane the way people are reacting. Try not to think about it. Um, what if a um, UFO landed right now on the White House lawn? What, wouldn't that be timing? Talk about synchronicity. And could it even make it there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. What about that? I mean, with everything else going on, the thing is that there's been plenty of aerial display over Washington. There was the whole summer, weeks in the summer, uh, it was July of 1952, multiple sightings of glowing orange orbs. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with this story? One of, no. one of the chapters in my book, actually, The Washington Invasion. It grabbed headlines in 1952. You never hear about it now. But for weeks, like uh, two and a half weeks in July, over Washington, D.C., airspace, there were multiple sightings of multiple formations of lights and some direct observations that distinguished craft. And these were military observations as well as civilian observations. The uh, military radar at Washington National Airport was tracking them, and the uh, now these installations were underground, but there were towers above ground, as you see at airports, observation towers, and, and a guy who was on his radar looked out the window. He moved himself to where he could see out a window, and he got a visual confirmation of what he was seeing on his radar, and his jaw dropped, and he called his superior officer. He said, uh, sir... I think I've just seen a UFO, you know, and, and, he, and he totally feared disbelief and ridicule, but the officer took him seriously. Well, he lent credibility. He walked, he came and checked out the guy's radar and confirmed what he was seeing, you know. So uh, the military brushed it off, basically couldn't explain it. We're researching it. This was 1952, five years after Roswell government was still perfecting its treatment of UFOs. And at that time, they were saying, we don't have enough information to make an informed decision, so we're still studying it. Don't worry, we're still studying it. Well, very shortly thereafter, they formulated the total debunking. It's just any UFO – it was after Project Blue Book. Any UFO can be explained by one of four normal or natural – categories of phenomenon including weather that was one of them and uh astro- as- astronomical things venus you know your your classics venus swamp gas weather balloons that sort of thing right man-made objects that are mistaken for something else and you know back in those days that's the best they could come up with to debunk all of these obviously not any of those things phenomenon in other words genuine ufos there were genuine ufos going on with some of the other sightings that weren't genuine or or could be explained. Okay, remember, a UFO is just an unexplained flying object, unidentified flying object. Just because you can't identify it doesn't mean that someone else couldn't identify it or it's unidentifiable. But there are UFOs that really can't be identified by anything we know on Earth. Those are thought to be alien or maybe from another dimension or maybe from beings from the future or we we don't really know. They don't seem to say, although some have said they're from other star systems. They could be lying. We don't know. But uh, it's it's a thing. It's a for real thing. And it's creepy and scary on one level because it, it is out of our control. I, for one, would be very inconvenienced if 
aliens were hovering outside my window with or without a craft, you know, because apparently they can levitate. I wouldn't like to see beings hovering outside my window, even if they were friends of mine. Well, if they were friends of mine, I probably wouldn't mind it. But, you know, what I'm saying people talk about being buzzed by UFOs them following them and be, being abducted on a regular basis. That's not my life. And thankfully so, because it sounds like some people in the audience, maybe that's more like their lives where they're being yeah. plucked out of their lives and having missing time. And you know, these are the people who claim ongoing abductions that they know they have missing time and they know that's happening in their whole family and they got the scoop marks or they got the implants. They got physical evidence that something weird is going on. Something real is going on. Yeah. In 2012, uh, my two girls and myself were actually followed by one of these orange orbs and it was about 40 feet in the sky, followed us all the way from Ignacio to Bayfield, Colorado and my daughters the whole time are like, mommy, look, mommy, look, it's like still following us. I get out at the stop sign and Nova's begging me, like, can you please just take us home? And I'm like, well, I want to see what you guys are talking about. I can't look and drive. So I get out and I look up and it looked orange, but you can tell that there was different colors rolling through it. It was kind of like a liquid fire going through a glass orb that appeared to be small. Um, I believe this was in August. Uh, I don't know. It's for biker rally. It, we were coming from the bike rally. And then I had Sturgis? My, or no, another uh, one in Colorado? Yeah, it was Ignacio. Um, oh. Ignacio Bike Week, which is cool. not as cool as Sturgis whatsoever. Yeah. Still sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, then after my son was born, I'm holding him and looking out in the field. Dylan Redwine had just disappeared a month prior to this and I'm hoping he's safe and warm wherever he's at and that he's found. And all of a sudden I see this orange orb coming down my back fence and it's about three or four feet off of the ground, three or four feet in the circumference. And it's moving at a slow walking pace. And I'm, I put my son down, I get my cell phone out. I'm trying to get to camera mode, but I, I just can't get there in time where I think I'm going to be able to get the pictures. So I call my family over because if I can't get proof through picture, like I want somebody else to see it. And to me and my daughters, it looked the same, like a glass orb with liquid fire with the yellow, orange and red going through it, appearing mostly orange. Um, going down the fence line to my husband, it looked like a glass orb with a glowing large bat, like the mammal bat, flapping its wings at a very slow rate of speed within this orb. So that was weird. Um on so many different accounts, but for me, the fact that he saw something totally different than the three of us did. Yeah. Freaky deaky. Freaky deaky. I think fact is indeed stranger than fiction. You just can't make this shit up, folks. <laughs> hey, I just subscribed to your YouTube channel. We are Paradox Media, and I'm digging your banner. Oh, Your thank you so much. Alien banner. Everybody oh. out there, if you haven't already done so, head over to We Are Paradox Media and subscribe. He's and got you'll such be beautiful one of the eyes. first hundred. You'll be and there's a little bell. If you click on the little bell by subscribed, it gives you alerts. I just found this out. 
I know there's people out there snickering. She didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, like that. <laughs> hey, we're all learning something new every day. That's right. Thank goodness I can still learn. I still get a brain. I have some brain cells left, which is pretty incredible given all that I've done. Woo. I have about three, I think. No. Slowly but surely, I've been finding my marbles in different random places, and I'm putting them all in this container, which has been knocked over a few times. Um, I'm pretty protective of my marbles, but <laughs> you gotta protect your marbles because if you don't, nobody else will. And you know what? Speaking of the brain thing, we were talking about fluoride in the drinking water, and I digressed. But mm-hmm. I had a dental fluoride treatment, and for six months after it, I was stupid. Oh wow! I was stupid. I could tell. And you know what? I didn't want the fluoride treatment, and this hygienist, I suppose, is what you'd call her, dental hygienist. Some some lower level worker, not the dentist, but an, an assistant of some rank, really pressured me, and and it was money I didn't want to spend for a procedure I didn't want, and I I went along with it, thinking she had said that it would help perio disease pockets between tooth and gum i thought well i could use that 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 could be good well maybe that is and maybe that isn't but i'll tell you what i do know is brain fog that thing made me stupid that treatment and and i just i was so mad at myself for caving i wasn't mad at them for trying i'm mad at myself for caving for falling so for it <laughs> don't cave when go with your convictions go with your listen butt. to your gut, gut don't, man <laughs> don't let them talk you into stuff Oh, they can and be don't so let convincing. the government talk you into stuff, you know, resist oh. when, when it doesn't make sense. See, so I had I've had people know I write conspiracy theories and and I do synthesis where that's connecting the dots. It's a fancy word for connect the dots. OK, I take I take this this little factoid over here and this load fact that factoid over there and I bring them together and see if they if they co-relate, correlate can, do they make sense with Holy. each other, right? So do airport FEMA checkpoints for passengers coming in from China have anything to do with empty camps out in the hinterland with with guards or staff but no residents <laughs> or inmates? You know, is there any connection there? Well, the connection would be that they're both FEMA, you know, but that's – and that's kind of slim. Still, other people, I'm sure, are picking this apart. And I know people are howling about martial law. Well, in some cases, it is warranted. And let's just see how this unfolds. If aliens showed up, we'd have martial law. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I don't know. I think people would be freaking out and bailing on their posts. And <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's why there'd be martial law. Not, you know, no matter what their attitude was, you know, if aliens were going to show up with with guns blazing or weapons blazing, don't you think they would have done so by now? Because they they're here and they've been around a long time. We're a sci- we're science project to them, or many science projects to them. And some of them are, seem well disposed toward humans and others not so much. And many others indifferent. You know, we're just the way you might be an indifferent indifferent to an ant, right? Some people are fascinated by ants and have ant farms. Other people are grossed out by ants and want to kill them all. And other people just want to know more about them and study them. So I would imagine that alien intelligences beings 
have similar mind frames. But again, that's an assumption of mine. That's a bias of mine as a human. I don't know what their mindset is. How could I possibly know what their mindset is? And they don't seem to share their mindset a lot with humans. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool that you said that, though, like the different synchronicities and you're talking about an ant farm. Our weekday host, Sleepy Dave Davenport, actually just purchased an ant farm. Uh, he just mentioned it really? right for the show. Wow. <clears throat> and I asked They're him, cool, are you going actually. to name all of them? <laughs> ah, don't name them because then you'll you'll cry when they die. And they do. They die a lot. And mm-hmm. then you don't want to know what they do with the dead ones. No, I won't say that on the radio. Yeah, it's just like prairie dogs. Everybody there could be children out there preparing for burial, but they're preparing for dinner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you gave away the ending. <laughs> I hate it when I do that. Um, on that note, since I blew the whole thing, uh, we're going to go to our second musical break. And on this musical break, we have McKaylin Hain from Ontario, Canada with Devil You Know and Tracy Cruz from Oakland, California with Joyful Rain and Emotional Love. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this musical break.
Welcome back, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us tonight on We Are Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. So tonight we have author and investigator Jean Broida. Welcome, Jean, and thanks so much for hanging out with us. I am delighted to be here with you, Tessa TNT. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. Jean Broida here, author of Unknown Objects, the top 10 U.S. UFO cases on Amazon, and also now I'm hosting a new show, Taboo Topics, with Gene Broida, Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States. And it's on my YouTube channel, 
Taboo Topics with Jean Broida. Please subscribe. And if you click the little bell, you'll get notifications when there's live streaming, as there is every week, Sundays, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Taboo Topics with Jean Broida. I'm thrilled. And by the way, this is not an interview show, such as your fine show. This is where guest panelists and I bring news articles of a paranormal nature or a conspiracy nature or both to our roundtable. And we read an article and then discuss it and then move on to another topic. And it's really interesting because we get some very deep thinkers who, although we all love to talk about ourselves, there are other topics to pursue. And Mm -hmm. uh, using an article format allows uh, some deeper exploration of topics, not so much uh, an article might be about a personality, but interviews can get kind of kind of egotistical sometimes i'm just saying it's we like to talk about ourselves and an article means we can talk about it's fair to talk about about other things that's all i'm saying Mm -hmm. it's fun we have a lot of fun yeah we do a basically we call it the paranormal forum where we sit around and talk about different things that like you said are in the media or out there in the world at this moment um it's Cool. cool to get together and just discuss those topics and it is and you know, there's so many of us, and there's and we're all kinds of people. That's what interests me. You go to a UFO conference, you see all you see all kinds of people, but then there's some kinds of people you don't see hardly any of. Mm-hmm. Certain ethnic minorities, and I won't name any names, but some people seem more notably absent. And more, uh, some researchers speculate why would that be? Why would certain ethnicities? not show up at UFO conferences are, you know, um, this is a big question. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Um, I haven't been to a lot of UFO conferences, but I haven't noticed that. I don't know. It seems like there's a very large and uh, diverse mix for the ones that I've been to. But I, I think things are changing and in a very positive way. But I have criticized events, and again, I'm not going to be specific because mm-hmm. it doesn't take a genius to figure out what events would qualify for this this uh, criterion, okay? Uh, right. An event where you've got – and any event, not just a UFO event, but let's talk about UFO events. You've got uh, – let's just pick a number. You've got 20 speakers, and 18 of them are men. And I guess I'm a feminist enough to believe that it should be 10 and 10. If there's 20 speakers, half of them should be women and half of them should be men because that's how it is in nature. But the, but but people who book shows and book talent and are in fields that relate to UFOs such as the military and engineering, the so-called STEM sciences – science, technology, engineering, and math. Those are mostly guys. That's the fact of the matter. And that's why guys are involved a lot with UFO research and history. They were there doing it because women just weren't allowed in these places. Women don't belong in the theater of war. So is the Western thinking. And, you know, that is what it is. So I'm happy to hear that Ufology is becoming more cosmopolitan in a sense, but it's worrisome to think that cliques cliques control the information that 
we are commonly fed through the media that there are factions in control that are that don't think of themselves as diverse okay even if they go through the motions of it mm-hmm. in terms of equal opportunity hiring the mindset just isn't there in ter- on the research side yes the mindset's there diversity we're all you know if you can believe in an alien from another planet what do i care what color your skin is or what your philosophy is i mean we can agree to disagree that sort of thing but if we're talking about a totalitarian attitude of i'm right you're always wrong and i tell you what's real and what's fiction and i'm i'm talking taking the part of the government speaking there if, if the government says we're going to tell you what's right and what's wrong that doesn't fly with me it doesn't fly with a lot of people mm-hmm. so back off federal government right <laughs> um yeah you know it's going to be a cold day in hell when our u.s federal government discloses the reality of ufos the current smoke screen is that oh yeah the hardware exists because the navy pilots were going nuts we see stuff we have to talk about it okay the hardware exists but it's all human made there's no aliens for heaven's sakes that's laughable <laughs> well, yes there are aliens there have there's been aliens since since at least 1941, Cape Girardeau, when a preacher, a reverend, called to administer last rites. Cape Girardeau's on the Mississippi River, southeastern Missouri. He's called to administer last rites. He shows up. There's three bodies laid out, as you would expect corpses to be laid out at a crash site. He sees it's not an airplane, as he thought it would be. Now, remember, this is 1941. There were not a lot of airplanes, okay? So this would have been extraordinary on face value that he's calling out, being called out into the hinterland of where he lived to go give last rites. He shows up. Uh, These are not humans, much less Christians, so he's not going to be administering any last rites, thank you very much. While he's there, he peeps around this craft, which has no wings, it's circular. He looks inside, it's full of what was described as wires and gadgetry. Who knows what that really was? Some people were there taking photographs, milling around, the military confiscated all the evidence, And he told his family once after being warned not to tell anybody ever, he never mentioned it again. And the story leaked 20 years later, 30 years later in the early 1970s when a granddaughter showed letters that talked about it or something along that line. And she started giving interviews. She had enough proof that people wanted to interview her about the Cape Girardeau, Missouri crash. And in 1971, there were still witnesses alive, but today probably not. Well, U.S. government knew because they had a craft. They they retrieved a craft and there was no craft uh, crash retrieval protocol at that time. Apparently they But they quickly figured out, we got to contain photographs, the press. That's why in my book, Unknown Objects, the top 10 U.S. UFO cases, a thread that I weave through this book is how the media covered these stories because the government began to manipulate the media to slant perception, cast light where they wanted people to look, and to distract away from the real business, thinking about Roswell, where – Uh, The press got on to Roswell UFO crash after the military sent out a press release saying UFOs have crashed near Roswell in Corona in New Mexico. And the next morning, 
the debunking news comes out, the story has gone to the Pentagon and they've decided, oh, no, 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 no. This will create the panic that Winston Churchill talked about, that Eisenhower agreed to. Can't have that. No, 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 no. And I, I may have all this out of chronological sequence, but this is, this is the mindset of the time. Mass panic. The public can't handle it. It what? shakes their paradigm <laughs> and their belief in God, the one God. It's just mm-hmm. too much, you know. And they made these summary decisions to cover up. Uh, it's 70 years later, people. You know, how much of it are we going to take? And, and the black ops go on. They've gotten blacker and deeper and more expensive. This is just nutty. We have this whole black ops economy, I figure. People employed in black ops uh, on these – they're all getting paid regularly and uh, – then the technology that's being developed is being used by people who aren't us, you know, these presumed elites in charge of the developing. This is just nutty. It's nutty, and a lot of people have had enough of this. But snowball's chance in hell, like I say, cold day in hell, If our feder- to wait on our federal government saying anything. The story is the craft are real, but the uh, alien occupants are not. And so now when anybody sees a UFO, you really have to ask, is it ours or is it theirs? Right. Well, due to reverse engineering, so by now it's hard to tell, but I don't know. If you do have some sort of um, psychic powers, uh, clairvoyant, clairaudient, whatever, um, sometimes you can pick up on these certain things without even realizing it. You know, like you said, you're a stargazer and you look up at the sky. I actually got several pictures taking pictures of the sky and um, not even realizing craft are there until I'm going through my pictures uh, after different shots and zooming in to check clarity and all these other things. I actually got a picture of UFOs on a cloud right next to the moon and then along the cloud lines throughout the night looking for Perseids getting UFOs. And the color of the sky that night as far as the clouds, the, the moon was giving off this electric blue color, which was pretty intense. Wow. You need to come on my show. We've got to figure this out. I'm going to send gotta you resolve the, uh, this Sunday night thing. Yeah. I'm going to send you this picture real quick, like, um, that I was just talking about. But it's interesting, like, not only have they been around, you know, during our lifetimes or our grandparents or great-grandparents' lifetimes, they've been around forever, probably the beginning of time. Yeah, well, the thinking is that they made us in their image to slave gold for them, right? That's what the Sumerian texts say, that we were bioengineered because mining gold in the hot African sun is hard. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard. We don't want to do it anymore. And they got permission from the high command back home, King Anu, to bioengineer humans from Neanderthals and their own DNA. And and the Sumerian text, somebody has translated the Sumerian text as being very explicit, very clear as to the steps they took. It was trial and error. They had a couple of failures and then success. And they bred Adamus, Adam, first man. And from Adam, well, they had also engineered a female who had a different name, and I'm forgetting what it is. It wasn't Eve. Eve is a, Eve, Eve is a later translation of this earlier word. 
And I apologize for forgetting the earlier word, but in any event, that was the females of the species. They're having trouble with reproduction, and they finally figured it out, and that was the whole Garden of Eden thing, where all of a sudden these unsexed creatures or creatures incapable of reproducing were able to, and and the secret was uh, getting bone marrow out of Adam's rib and putting it into Eve's genetic construct. That they figured out there was uh, interference with the alien component, and and they also figured out that uh, the female and male humans or proto-humans had this chromosome differential, the XX and the XY, and they f- they figured out the workaround to fix that. So they got the humans all sorted out. And we spent generations upon generations slaving for them, and we still do in a sense. We uh, trade time for money and work 40-hour work weeks or more. And why? Why do we do that? Why is there a need to do that? Does anybody even think about why that is our convention in the West? And Europeans don't work a 40-hour week, but still this notion that we must labor for money, which is gold or used to be gold – you know, it all goes back to this Anunnaki. Those were the aliens who came. Anunnaki engineering humans. They wanted gold to save their planet's atmosphere, and they took a lot of gold, but didn't save their planet apparently. But they yeah. left this culture of gold grubbing, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, like what are they using it for? Is it for like different boards and such? Gold is a very conductive, I think the most conductive metal. Um, who knows what the heck they're using it for? Yeah, it's, said it. it's highly conductive. It has a lot of interesting physical properties, gold does. I've, I've written, I write a lot about gold too. It's ductile, meaning that you can stretch it into a thin wire, so thin that you can make thread and yarns. And make fat, you know, there's gold cloth. There's fabled gold cloth, but it was real, you know. So, but also, not only is it ductile, it's strong and it's soft. So it can be worked and it doesn't corrode, it doesn't oxidize. It's also the only metal that's genuinely gold in color. It's golden, it's, it's unique that way, just sort of as an aesthetic thing. And, in, and they like to send it into space because. It resists bombardment by these little particles that, that – neutrons and such that puncture through things and, and wreak havoc in space. So it's uh, – gold is non-corrosive basically, holds up really well. That's why they made that phonograph disc and the calling card they put on Voyager and some of these other craft uh, out of gold because it, they thought, well, it will survive the ride. And show oh, yeah. the show the other people we have gold. <laughs> yeah, check like, it out. You could come sure here and get this stuff. Want to do that? Is that really so wise to advertise mm-hmm. that we got gold here? Right. It's like the guy that pulls that big old wad of money out and yes. throws in the parking lot in Vegas. Yes. <laughs> Don't do that. I know, right? So yeah, the government, UFOs. I mean, I never trusted the government, and then I was in the government, and now I really don't trust the government. I knew why I didn't in the first place now, but um, I don't think they're they want to tell us because then they're going to be caught. They've been lying this whole time. It's all a oh crazy control thing. But at the yeah. same time, like Jimmy Carter, you know, he finally heard something, and then he was found at his desk 
sobbing after, you know, he was briefed about aliens and what's actually going on. So do we really want to know or do do we want to know, like, right when, when it's happening and we're being slaughtered for whatever reason? Or are they just going to let us keep growing for billions and millions more years? Um, well, I want to know. And I want to know why Carter was sobbing as well. Yeah. What did he you find know, what out? What up with that? What up with that? What up with that? Anyway, back to what you were talking about, seeing UFOs in Colorado. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. I would love to tear that apart with you on my show. We'll talk more. Uh, But um, a lot of people in ufology now are many, many people. You you had at the break, you said uh, you'd like me to share some of what people I've interviewed have talked about, people Mm -hmm. in what people in ufology have talked about. And a major theme now in ufology, it's been for the last year or two is accepting the fact that the hardware is real and moving on to the consciousnesses and personalities, if you will, that control the craft. So getting on to the aliens, this little matter of the aliens, who are they? Can we communicate with them directly? And what do they have to say? What's the deal with them? Okay. So ufologists are teaming up with experiencers, people who are, who are having UFO experiences and exploring the states of consciousness that the experiencers are experiencing and also exploring states of consciousness that some of the beings that contact the experiencers say are good if you want to contact these beings. And basically, you need to stop the alpha waves that are racing along while we're talking here, in my case at least, and go through the beta and delta to the theta state, which is a meditative state. And interestingly enough, UFOs seem to hang out in cultures and countries that have cultures where people meditate. So in Tibet and parts of the Himalayas, other cultures that have a practice of meditation get more UFO contact, not necessarily sightings, because what I wanted to say was, as a ufologist, I've never been interested in hunting down craft. I'm not a, you know how storm chasers chase storms and want to get pictures of it to show everybody how violent the storm is and how brave they are, and all that's good. But I've never been one to go looking for UFOs. I don't want to find a UFO. I don't want them hovering outside my window. Keep your distance. You know, I don't mind doing your light work and our light work, but do not interfere with my life. Thank you very much. Right. Um, my work is metaphysical. It always has been the way that I was drawn toward books on UFOs and not interested in books on any other paranormal topic. This is, for lack of a better term, divine influence. This is my sub, part of my subconscious mind linking with my higher self that links with all the other higher selves and all of the everything, the matrix, if you will. All of the intelligences back to the original source intelligence, okay? And no, can no, could know everything. The clearer that, that uh, channel is, the, the stronger it is, the more intuitive you are and i'm highly intuitive i get a lot of my ideas in the majority of my ideas intuitively and i've read recently maybe we have no original ideas uh that 
in fact, it was it was an, a guy I interviewed, Walt Christos, said maybe we have no independent thoughts. Maybe all of our thoughts originate from ETs who have bioengineered us and have the capability to do so, and we just have no original thoughts. We'd be Neanderthalic without their prompting us. And he said there was a study done where as people were – People were measured with electrodes while they were thinking things, and impulses were going off before they were having thoughts, and the impulses going off were going off in the part of the brain that's in charge of hallucinations. That was really weird, as if aliens – I mean this sounds so crazy, but I'm just saying what I read or or, no, what this guy said was – and he's he's well researched and experiencer himself. He's saying that uh, the uh, I, I, this is just mind blowing. It's the whole thing. Consciousness is the key to the communication and opening yourself by lowering the chatter in your mind. Uh, you inversely it raises your consciousness level lowering your brainwave activity raises your consciousness level and they can basically dumb down their consciousness level enough to make a connection in many cases not in every case so when you talk about seeing ufos that is that's remarkable obviously and it's a thing but it's not my thing my interest is is my real interest is in knowing why are do they have messages for us and i went to a really interesting presentation at uh, contact in the desert and this was kathleen marden who is the niece of betty hill of benny and barney hill who are an early chapter in my book unknown mm-hmm. objects the top 10 us ufo cases and she spent a lifetime with stanton friedman researching her aunt and her aunt's husband who were abducted by a by a ufo and we have a lot of documentation on what happened to them they were probed basically and then returned and she gave a presentation on messages from aliens and she talked about betty and barney but she talked about other cases as well and there's a theme they they don't say much what they say is love each other, stop hating on each other and love each other. And the other thing they say is clean up the planet, stop nuking, stop nuclear activity or at least – well, pretty much all of it. And certainly not stop the explosions. And that means reactors, frankly. I know it's a very unpopular view, but they are cautionary about nukes as if we don't know what we're doing. Go figure. And about trashing the planet. Just if we would spend energy doing those things, our lives would improve. Well, who could argue with that kind of reasoning? But if that's all the message they've got, I mean, that was basically the takeaway from her presentation. That These themes were prevailing, message after message after message. And from the kids in Zimbabwe, 20 school kids in Zimbabwe who saw it was a mass sighting. UFO comes down, aliens float out, they telepath to the kids. Go tell the adults who won't listen to us to stop trashing the planet. Otherwise, you're not going to have a place to live. And they're flashing them holographic images or mind control images of bad things happening on Earth, devastation, that sort of thing. And the kids are freaked out. They run back. They're panicked. 
And they interviewed those kids as adults, like 20 years after. They had nothing else to add to their stories. It had happened. It was a done deal. They didn't – I think some of them may have had continuing contact, but it, it wasn't – they had their moment, if you will, which struck me as kind of odd. I, I was thinking, you know, for something that profound, wouldn't it touch you for the rest of your life? I didn't have that impression from these kids in Africa. Their lives just went on. Well, and it's funny, too, like different shared experiences that have happened to different people. A lot of people retain it forever. And then some people are like, what are you talking about? I don't remember that ever happening. And not only that, one of the cases in my book is on Kecksburg. Now, here was a case where a UFO was apparently having mechanical difficulty aeronautical difficulty and it glided in over town this little town in pennsylvania out in the middle of nowhere basically kecksburg low population but kids, this was a time when kids were outside playing like we were talking about before out on their bicycles and such and they see this craft coming in and they go back and tell their folks inside and the some of the folks come and look most of them don't because kids made up all kinds of stuff in those days or their kids weren't close enough to home. But in any event, kids and some adults saw this thing. And one guy who saw this thing land and crash in the woods near Kecksburg was a hunter. And he went out looking for this thing and he found it. And other people vectored in and found it as well, but not very many. Because the military showed up in very short order, like within the hour from a nearby base, and they cordoned it off. They shooed everybody away, said there was danger from radiation, and scooped it all up, trucked it all out, and covered it all up, literally, as in a cover-up story, and literally covered up the evidence, threw tarps over it and stuff, that kind of cover-up too, which may be where the term came from, actually. So the interesting thing about Kecksburg is that Initially, about half the people in this little town were convinced that a UFO had crashed outside their town. They, they knew it happened. And the other half were completely convinced it never happened. And the U.S. government got them – got that kind of split view through propaganda, got – more and more people in the town, especially as time went on and memories faded and people died, they got most of the people in the town to believe it never happened. And it's become a publicity event to raise money for the fire responders, which is good work. But it's a jamboree now. They're celebrating. Again, it's something that happened and it's and there's no more to see here because the military swept in, scooped it up, carted it off, and and lies about it, lies and lies and lies. It's just, but but it's just weird that propaganda is so powerful. You can convince larger groups of people that something. In other words, you have neighbors saying to their neighbors, "You're a liar. I don't believe." What you believe, I don't believe you saw what you said you saw, or what your kid says they saw they saw. You know, you know something. It's 
when you get neighbor against neighbor like that, I, as a psychologist, I start to really wonder about the power of propaganda. Well, yeah, and that's why I don't, I don't know. People talk about past life regression and different things you can do. Hey, you could get hypnotherapy to quit smoking and all these different things. But I don't want somebody walking around in my head. You know, they might knock something over or break something. Um, stay the hell out of there. <laughs> Off limit zone. But, I mean, there's so many things that you could discover that maybe you should remember. You just don't because of different alien technology. I mean, a lot of people I think that are being abducted don't even know. I've been... uh keeping a not so close eye but a distant eye on this uh ufos over las vegas page and you can sit there and watch orbs come out of these different spacecraft and go around these neighborhoods and go into houses and then appear larger than they were before go back up to the shuttlecraft and then go back down and then come back small again i mean Mm. they're obviously like abducting people or grabbing something Mm. because why would the mass change I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Those sites are pretty cool. I wasn't familiar with that one, actually. Over Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Well, see, there's a place where we know the U.S. military is testing craft. Not to say that it's explaining what you just described. But in such places, we'd expect to see more UFO activity. Again, is it ours or is it theirs? And who can, in this day and age, who knows? What ufologists, like me at least, are interested in is the the so-called real UFOs, just like with crop circle research, which is another of my passions. Uh, we know they're not all hoaxed. Some are hoaxed, but they're not all hoaxed. And I'm much more interested in the real ones than the fake ones. But the media wants to divert us and, and distract us and maintain that all crop circles are fake and that anyone who believes that a crop circle isn't fake, by which I mean anyone who believes a crop circle is made by something other than a human is crazy or or just not founded in good science. This is so wrong. It's so obviously wrong. Once you start to get into the topic, people have measured effects at crop circles the genuine ones that are showing microwave or energy effects, not the ones where the stocks are bent because somebody has smushed it with a board. Okay, it's very obvious at first glance whether a crop circle was made by humans or not. And because the media wants to debunk, is, is told to debunk it all, we can assume they're told to do it because otherwise, why would they be doing it? They'd be thrilled to say that. Wow, there's all these cool effects inside a crop circle. You never hear about this stuff except from researchers, and it's common knowledge among them. All this stuff exploded nodes like popcorn. Something heated these stalks very rapidly, very fast, and the water inside them uh, boiled and exploded the nodes. This is science stuff. It fascinates me. Yeah, The seeds inside a crop circle yield much more. Uh, There's something going on with them. They've been changed. They've been altered, and – they yield more and it's more nutrition. Sorry, you were saying something. Well, it's interesting because people try to go in there and fake it, but you can tell the difference between a broken piece of wheat or whatever's out there. And like you were saying with these alien craft or whatnot, the way that they swell, they're bigger and there's different things about them and they're not broken and bent. They're 
kind of growing that way. They're still growing. They're bent over and still growing. Mm-hmm. That's freaky deaky. Then you get, when you start to look at pictures, I, I followed Patty Greer, premier crop circle filmographer, videographer, okay? She never wrote a book, but she has made like, oh, I want to say at least eight, maybe 12 videos on crop circles and other things too, but mostly crop circles. And uh, she shows really clearly complex braiding and whorling, which is where you have spiraling ropes, basically. So you get twisting and braiding over and under weaving sort of effects, and you'll get one ring where the twisting is in one direction and an outer ring where the twisting is in the opposite direction, suggesting counter-rotational forces. And this is heady stuff for physics geeks. This is just heaven for us, you know. This, What the heck is this? What could be causing this? And it's so obvious when you see pictures of it. It's Why aren't headlines all over the world screaming this stuff? Because this is crazy. And uh, there's this general apathy. Oh, yeah, well, and I like crop circles as a topic at presentations because it's – Non-threatening. UFOs is a threatening topic because they're a superior force that we can't control. And they also, if, if they created us, that means they're our progenitors, they're as gods. And that's, that scares a lot of people, uh, rightly or wrongly. Uh, right? But crop circles, it's, t- it's touchy-feely. It's a safe subject. Even though there's nothing to it, right? It's there's no real crop circles, as the mainstream would say. But even so, go ahead and those don't exist. Talk about that. What are you talking about? But what's also weird is formations that are crop circle like that are not crop circles. So there's this formation in Oregon that just appeared. Now this could be art student projects because there's films by groups that make they are hoaxers and they are they're. Their art. This is art for them. So th- there's CropCircleMakers.com. They're very out front that yes, we've made these crop circles and we love it. We love to make crop circles. Well, that's fine, right? But they're not claiming to have made every crop circle in the world the way that those two British guys did and got all the press. Um, <laughs> as you say, when you look at a crop circle, you can see whether it's been bent with a board. So this is a long board that has drill holes on the two ends and ropes pass through, knotted ropes pass through. It's very simple, you know, rustic accoutrement here. And uh, you press your foot on it and the, the back foot, uh, you, you lean on your back foot, crush in front of you with the front foot and raise the ropes with your hands and work your way along uh, bending over the crop. And and a lot of the stocks break in that process, especially if you're a heavy person doing it. The the effects are just different. There's ghost crop circles coming up after the real ones have vanished. So the, the farmers come along and they mow this down. This is crop damage for them. And then the next spring, uh, many researchers have gone have revisited sites and they see the same pattern coming out in the crop, the new crop but not as strong a pattern. So it's a residual pattern, but it's the same pattern. They're like there's a radiation effect or something's going on so that patternings are happening. It's just, there's so much going on that we never typically hear about. I have to wonder why. 
a lot of people wonder why. Yeah, did you hear about our second moon that's supposedly been there for years, but we're just now hearing about it, and it's only the size of a car, but they're calling it our second moon because it's orbit? And then they were also talking about, it's expected to leave in April sometime. Like, how do you expect something that's been in orbit for years to leave automatically on a certain day? What are you not telling us? Well, if it's a moon, I don't think it'd be leaving orbit. I know. It's freaking weird. I write about near asteroid misses Uh, for a long time nasa liked to sensationalize in fact it still happens uh asteroid comes perilously close to earth you know so it's a grazer it's gonna be a grazer you know and these things are a close asteroid is less than the distance between the earth and the moon and that's still a big feck distance (laughs) okay that's that's still a lot of mileage out there. And in the vastness of space, it's statistically significant that an object is closer than the distance between the Earth and the Moon, but practically speaking, it don't it doesn't matter. <laughs> don't mean a thing. Because unless it's a direct hit, we're gonna be fine, you know. And there's physics behind all of this. They know exactly how big an asteroid would have to be to have an extinction-level event. And, and frankly, it doesn't have to be that big. And I don't mean to – to again, I'm, my purpose is not to freak anybody. So it's not to freak anybody out. But when you realize that a rock that's about a kilometer, that's uh, 1.1 miles wide, it only takes a rock that's about a mile wide to ruin everybody's lives, much less your day, right? That extinction event where it crashes to Earth and it's big enough to cause enough force to mess up the atmosphere and cause rains and floods and no more photosynthesis or much less photosynthesis. And so plant life dies, humans, mammals die, everything dies. Not everything dies. Cockroaches will live. (laughs) But, you know, the rise and the fall. Um, If you're going to be concerned about things – get a grip people and um again i don't mean to mm, trivialize what's going on today but get a get a grip get a perspective to me a good day is when a meteor doesn't crash through the roof of the house that'd be nice that's how i define a good day and that's most days most days that happens or or doesn't happen you know if it lands in the backyard i'll be happy i can cash in on whatever's in that media just well, that's true. Media. That's true. There's trillions of dollars in metals out in the asteroid belts and, and in near-Earth orbit asteroids. I've written about this too. Big, big bucks looking at space mining. It's a thing. And is that really why we want to go to Mars? Is that what's up, Mr. Musk? Well, yeah, they have the technology to land on these, like, asteroids or meteors or whatever you want to call them. I think they're asteroids, um, meteors once they come in. But they know how to get on there and drill it and and get all these things off of it. How are we going to protect ourselves? That should come first and then figure out what you're going to get off of it. <laughs> um, you were right. And the Japanese made history by landing a robotic craft remote controlled craft on a, on an asteroid moving obviously hurtling through space these things hurtle through space 
managed to maneuver a craft to land on it, and the craft held little hopping robots that hop around the asteroid and, in this case, scoop up mineral samples, so mineralogical assays, tests, to bring back to Earth to evaluate. Well, right now they're evaluating the tools, the robots and the rockets, but what they want to do is have systems so that they can assay asteroids and pick the ones that have the high-priced minerals and make huge profits off of mining asteroids. I would imagine that the Chinese and Japanese want to mine the far side of the moon. They're all going there. Why? Why this sudden interest in the moon? I've written about that. Governments are going to the moon when everybody on Ufology Street says the United States was waved away from the moon. Don't come back. This is not for you. Something's changed. Now other countries are going to the moon, but the far side of the moon. And and it's kind of weird. You know, what what is that about? Is there a backstory to this? It seems odd. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know what's going on here. I doubt we'll ever know what's going on there. Well, never is a long time. Never say never. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But I have gotten some interesting pictures of things around the moon. And even though... The moon doesn't project its own light. It does reflect the light of the sun in space um, with really no barriers except for, you know, small rocks and planets or whatnot. Um, Could they be gathering energy off of the moon that is being reflected from the sun? I mean, what the heck do they want up there? Are there really Nazis in space? Will we ever know? I don't know. Well, that's a whole lot of questions really fast. But the, as far as I understand things, the moon, what in, what in, what vibrates within me as being true is that the moon is in fact hollow. It's fake. It was hauled here and it is an observation point to, for earth. But more importantly, it is a way station of some kind for interstellar travel or intergalactic travel. And, and that, the fact that it's near Earth is some somewhat coincidental, not not a pri- Earth is it could have been somewhere else basically, and that there are astronomical reasons why Earth was convenient for it, and perhaps because species were conducting scientific trials on humans and other species on Earth that they could serve several purposes at once, but that basically people on the moon entities on the moon have don't have that much interest in what's going on on earth. Again, we're coincidental to them we're in their peripheral vision. We're like ants on the ant farm. So some of them who like ant farms will come down to earth and muck around those interested in the biology and the experiments on earth will come down or sociology perhaps or recreation. They will come down, but otherwise not so much. Just why would you, (laughs) why would you go slumming on earth? Yeah. Why the hell are you cutting those lips off those cows? I just don't get it. Maybe they're making hot dogs. Hard to say. Um, well, those are all the organs that are used for genetic uh, engineering, you know, for yeah. tissue culturing such. Nikki's wondering, um, and she's saying since she came in late, she was wondering if you had stated at all if you do regression therapy. Is that something that you do? It is not something I do now, but it is something I feel I, I have a definite interest in doing. Uh, again, many ufologists are turning toward hypnotherapy 
That's a great question, by the way, and thanks for asking it. I recently interviewed Mary Rodwell, who's a top UFO researcher in Australia, and she graced me with her presence on Taboo Topics with Jean Broida, Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern in the United States. And uh, she talked about all, all this consciousness stuff going on and uh, that uh, she's been a hypnotherapist for, oh gosh, I want to say 25 years, something along that line. She's made a career of this and helps people who are traumatized or just having trouble dealing with a UFO experience and particularly children and other researchers have focused on children because children are selected quite often of uh, when they're at an, at an age where they don't talk all that well, the thinking being perhaps that they can't explain what happened to them. Therefore they can't disclose, right? They're safe because they can't share what happened to them and any any adult who listens to what they say will say, oh, you just had a bad dream or a nightmare or you're making it up or you saw a movie or you read a comic book or you played a video game. It's not real, right? Dismissing it as not real. And the kid's like, oh, it, was, it seemed very real to me, you know? So am I a hypnotherapist? Not presently, but I'm getting more and more indications that I should be. And there are plenty of good certification courses. We're talking about medical hypnosis, by the way, not stage hypnosis. I think mm-hmm. certainly the person who asked this question knows that, but other listeners might not know that, that there's quite a difference between being made to cluck like a chicken and being put into a suggestible state of mind. Again, talking about lowering our brain wave rate from alpha to beta to delta to theta till finally we can relax enough to allow this part of our subconscious brain that connects to our higher self to do so and and channel information from divinity, from source. That's what's going on. And Mary Rodwell talked about using hypnosis to uncover deep trauma, so post-traumatic stress events, but also as a way that some people uh, – as a way to uncover – these communication channels that some of these entities want to have with certain individuals. And that's interesting. Some people not merely get anally probed, if you will, but they, uh, they go to school sometimes they get taught things to do or tasks to perform, or they are given messages to go back and spread around to people. Uh, there seem to be different purposes which uh, of abductions and consequences of abductions and experiences during abductions, which makes me suspect that there's all kinds of alien scientists doing all kinds of – I read that there are hundreds of experiments on Earth at any given time or right now and that they encompass – they've been going – some of these experiments have been running for hundreds of thousands of years. They're long-term genetic studies and things like that. And when you think about human origin in those terms, it changes your head. It changes everything. And maybe that's why the powers that be don't want us thinking about this stuff, just because it really is revolutionary. Yeah, and there's so many different things that they are doing um, to keep us under lock and key, you know. We're at a point where we have to work three jobs, basically, in order to keep a household going that isn't, you know, that immaculate. Um, so many different things going on in our world. And, you know, I don't understand the whole disclosure thing, but 
you know, sometimes we're not meant to understand until a certain point. I often wonder if ancient aliens and these different shows that they have out on television are to prepare us for certain things like this, because I think it's inevitable that we're going to just see it like right in front of our eyes again. Um, but we are in our last five minutes of the show. Uh, is there one certain case in particular that, uh, really stands out in your mind that makes you believe beyond disbelief that there are actually aliens and UFOs out there? Well, I have to say, yes, Betty and Barney Hill, which I talked Mm -hmm. briefly about earlier. Here was a couple abducted from New Hampshire. They were driving in the car back from a vacation, middle of the night rural New Hampshire, near the White Mountains. And what's interesting, a few interesting things about the case, but she was the passenger, husband and wife, she was the passenger. She called a UFO. She called it over and it started to follow the car. And just like you had said earlier where you were driving and you you couldn't see UFOs that your kids said they saw out the windows, Barney, who was driving, stopped the car a couple times and took binoculars out of the glove compartment to get a better look. And they had a series of adventures that you can read about in my book and other people's books about it. As I say, Kathy Marden, Kathleen Marden has spent her life as Betty's niece researching all this, documenting all this. She has a great website. There's plenty of places to go. But the notable thing in my view about Betty and Barney Hill, which has become a blueprint for the classic UFO abduction case, is that they didn't want their story to go public. It went public from Europe, and they were notified by a phone call about four in the morning. Someone they knew in the United States had seen a newspaper from Europe that was talking about them and their story and notified them, and they freaked out. They were worried about losing their jobs. And they didn't lose their jobs. But he was troubled psychologically and only lived a short time, I want to say. I don't want to get it wrong, but it was six or 12 years later he died. She lived a full life. She was the one who had called it over, and he had gotten out a gun to fight this thing. So we wouldn't know about this case except for hypnosis, which was used to bring out the details, getting back to that uh, viewer question mm-hmm. call in question uh, chat room question <laughs> that thing well, how, how can our listeners find you and find your book well i'm happy to, to to answer that you can find me sunday night 7 to 9 p.m eastern on my youtube channel taboo topics with gene broida that's b-r-o-i-d-a you can uh read me at Day, the day, I'm sorry, at thedailyconspiracy.com or survival.uptake as lightworker111. Please find my book, Unknown Objects, the top 10 U.S. UFO cases on Amazon. I have a website that is under repair right now, www.lightwork111.com. I'm going to get that fixed and rocking and rolling. And if you go to my YouTube channel, Taboo Topics with Gene Broida, please subscribe. And thank you so much for this opportunity, Tessa TNT. I've had a ball. You weren't kidding when you said three hours would fly by. Yeah, it really does fly by fast. But, you know, my number one rule is to have fun and, hey, let's paint a picture 
but thank you so much again for being my jet, uh, my guest, Jane. It's been awesome learning um, what you've learned and uh, just awesome having you on the show tonight. Thank you for this sterling opportunity, and I really appreciate all the viewer feedback. It's so awesome that people are, are tuning in. Indeed. Yeah, I hope to do more shows because, I mean, people are trying to find things to do uh, with their time. So if you guys want to come on and talk about any random thing during the week or whatnot, just get a hold of me and we'll work something out. But um, thank you again, Jane, and thank you to all of our listeners and our friends on We Are Paradox Media's Facebook, Spreaker, Twitter, Periscope, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you may be listening beyond the Omniverse tonight. I had a wonderful time this evening, and I can't wait to do it again tomorrow night when we have author D.A. Roberts, and we'll be discussing The Wolfman. And this book is a fictional book, but the character within this book is indeed real. So, uh, you guys, don't forget, we're all in this together. Together we can make the world a little better. And together, my friends, we are Paradox Media, because without you, there is no us. If you guys want to join us on our Skype after party, look me up on send me a contact request at live tessa.n.thomas30 or give us a jingle at 970-335-9596.